and gentlemen, you got Chris Thomas. You got Jamal Thomas. And you're listening to the Running Back Sports Show, Sports for the Culture. What's going on, everybody? What's going on? Yep. Beautiful Tuesday here in Philadelphia. Yeah, absolutely. And it's just going to be, you know, just me and you today, man. Heard. Okay. <clears throat> yeah, man, a little throwback edition. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so let's not not too much of a throwback. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, eventful weekend sports. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, I think we should start with the most controversial topic that's happened in the four major sports. Yes, absolutely. What is the MLB going to do with this new Philadelphia Phillies lineup? I hate you. No. <laughs> we'll get to that. We'll gush about our Phillies. No. <laughs> obviously, a uh, blockbuster happened last week um, between the Cleveland Browns and the Houston Texans. Oh, that. Oh, that. Um, obviously, as you know, uh, all the people out there in TV land, um, you know, Deshaun Watson facing 22 civil lawsuits. Um will have no criminal charges filed against him. Um, initially told the Browns that he would not be um, interested in waiving his no trade clause to come hang out. Um, so it's kind of crazy that um, it felt like the Saints were the leader in the clubhouse when teams that were he was going to be meeting with and giving an opportunity, right? It felt like they were the leader in the clubhouse, you would say. And then we got to the point where um, – Atlanta became a possible destination. And it also let us know, you know, obviously before the Matt Ryan trade, that Matt Ryan was clearly going to be on the block because you don't go get Deshaun Watson and then keep Matt Ryan. Right. So um, for him to pick Cleveland is kind of crazy, but I've been thinking about it the last couple of days. He's never had a running game like he'll have with Hunt and Chubb. He's never had an offensive line like he'll have with Cleveland. Amari Cooper, for as much as people think he's washed and he's not going to be a great addition and all these different things, he's still a guy that was productive last year in Dallas and I think could be even more productive in Stefanski's offense. I don't think they're done adding receivers. I think you got Higgins is a great key. Um, Obviously, you brought in Joku back on the tag. Peoples Jones, I really, really like. I like those big Devin Funches, Calvin Benjamin type receivers who can just like big bodies to go up and get the ball. But um, I I think and you know we we Chris and I talked about this the other day off air of just like kind of giving some sort of a post free agent or post first wave free agency divisional picks just to kind of see where our heads were at with certain rosters and um you know he went with the you went with the Bengals to win a division yeah I went with the Bengals and I went with the Browns yeah um. Because now I think they have just the battle of Ohio. The battle of Ohio. I now think they have the best quarterback in the division. I think we can both agree on that. As much as I love Joey B. I'm about to say, oh, oh, you're off your boy Joey B? No, I still love Joe Burrow, but you know how I felt about Deshaun Watson. And obviously I've been quiet about it because, you know, I don't want to upset the balance of anything or make it seem like, you know, I'm condoning anything. You know, I obviously want just do and just process to go. You're you're just looking at the talent aspect. The the talent aspect. When he's he's on on the the field, field, he's he's a top top five quarterback. quarterback. Jinx. <laughs> <laughs> and it's not even close. Um, and he ain't five. So, for me, you took a team that was, what, a, we said a seven, eight-win team last yeah, year? Yeah, seven, eight wins, yeah. Um, with a one-armed Baker Mayfield. Yeah. And you and you got to think all of the, pro, the protocols, you know, them missing the Odell Beckham fiasco, them missing Jarvis Landry. Jarvis Landry being a injured. A bunch of yep. players missing on defense. I think the only significant Jadavian Connie being terrible. Yeah. I think the only significant player that played much all the games is probably Miles Garrett. I was gonna say Miles Garrett has just been 
the model of consistency in Cleveland. Yeah. What a number one pick should be, honestly. Yeah. Um, so my question to you is, if you were Deshaun Watson, what do you think? I mean, obviously, $235 million guaranteed kind of speaks for itself. Yeah. But just from an on-field perspective, what do you think was the turnaround for him to be like, nah, I don't want to go to Cleveland, and then the next moment it was like, I'll be a Brown? Well, two things. One, all of the situations in which he would, quote-unquote, wave his no-trade clause in. Exactly. You got to think, the aftermath of waving it. Think about it. If he goes to Atlanta, yeah, sure, Deshaun Watson goes home. But he's in a, the same situation Matt Ryan is in, but they have no draft capital to fix anything. You're playing behind a horrible defense, a bad offensive line. Your number one wide receiver suspended for the year. So who exactly are you going to throw to? Kyle Pitts, Russell Gage? No. No, Russell Gage is gone. Oh, and Russell Gage is gone now. Excuse me. Yeah. And then you think about Carolina. Matt rules on the hot seat. Like, I fully understand, like, you know, you want to make that Hail Mary move, but I'm not trusting that situation. And then you got the Saints and... Obviously, the Saints would be an ideal destination, but you got to think that what exactly would they possibly give up? I think also reportedly— I think Kamara had to be in that deal. Yeah, Kamara was in the deal. Like, Jeff was on the show last week, and he told me that Kamara was reportedly in the deal. So he was like, what situation can I go to that would still leave me in the best-case scenario for me to do something? It was Cleveland. So you got to think, like, oh, this is the reported deal, so— you don't give up Nick Chubb. You don't give up Kareem Hunt. You don't give up, you know, Miles Garrett. You don't give up Denzel Ward. You don't give up Greg Newsom. The only thing you're giving up is draft picks. Exactly. So you keep a playoff team. Let me remind you guys, Cleveland was a playoff team with a fully healthy Baker Mayfield, yep. and they won a playoff game. And they remember, they almost, almost beat, beat the Chiefs. In Arrowhead. Exactly. People forget that. Yeah, they were literally just a Chad Henney run away from possibly winning that game. I, I will say this to the end of days, and when people say stuff like, if if it was the fifth, we'd all be drunk, blah, blah, blah. But when I say stuff like this, I wanted to, if you run a simulation of that third and 15 play 100 times, 99 out of 100, he gets stopped short of that. So, like, they're a, they're a, a one fluke accident play away from being in an AFC title game. So, <clears throat> and I agree think, with you like, Maybe if they weren't, maybe if they got to that point, then who knows what would happen. Maybe they stick with Baker because at that point, Optics-wise, it's like we got a number one overall pick. He took yep. us to the AFC Championship game, something we haven't been through since 1994. Why would we get rid of him when he's fully healthy? Exactly. I'm just um, I'm just wondering, you know, obviously once the civil lawsuits are settled, uh, what is the league's, you know, punishment going to be? Um, and then I guess probably going to be six to eight games. Six to eight games. And, I, and, and the craziest thing is, is like I think – is I think they signed Jacoby Brissett to be his backup. Let me double check. Please check on that for me. I know they just signed a backup, and it was just, uh, you know, just in case Deshaun can't play type of situation. And listen, I mean, funny thing is, they still have Baker Mayfield. I mean, come on, let's be real. Baker Baker wants to leave. You know, one wants to be a backup quarterback <laughs> after being drafted number one. I mean, but nobody wants him. You got to think the Cleveland. It's funny that, and we'll also. It's also kind of the next topic we're kind of kind of bring up. Matt Ryan got traded for a third round pick, and now the Browns <laughs> reportedly now want a, at least a first round pick for Baker Mayfield. So who's giving you a first round pick for Baker Mayfield? Yeah, number one and number two. After everything you pretty much done f- with him, especially after the Odell Beckham fiasco, the way that you was like, you know what? Yeah, we're gonna get Deshaun Watson anyway. Despite we're gonna deny your trade request and. 
We're going to go after. We're going to get Deshaun Watson, give him the most guaranteed money of all time. And you know what? Yeah, now we're going to honor your trade because but we need a first-round pick. What? That doesn't make no sense. You got to think, Sam Darnold went for a second and a fourth. And as much as I'm not the biggest fan of Sam Darnold, is, does Baker Mayfield really that much better than Sam Darnold? Not at this point, no. No. I mean, it, like, like, let's be real, Chris. And I mean, obviously, you know, with the Colts being clearly a ready-made roster for any quarterback with any similar. It's funny that, like, a roster that only added Jonathan Taylor and maybe some preliminary pieces here and there. Phillip Rivers made that an 11-win team that went to the playoffs. Carson Wentz wins nine games with that same team. So Indianapolis hit for the last what, three years ago that was when Andy retired, yeah. Andrew. So three, for the last three years, have been in win now, trying to contend Super Bowl mode, mm-hmm. and they are probably the fun. It's funny, like they are the roster in the league that is most like, hey, we just get a quarterback where you have to take a series, and they decided they wanted thirty-seven-year-old Matt Ryan versus twenty-six-year-old Baker Mayfield. That's crazy. Yeah. So, I think um, with that being said, uh, it just I, – I don't know where Baker goes now. I don't know where Baker yeah, now, finds himself. Yeah, now reportedly Carolina doesn't want, doesn't want him either. So, it's like, where does he go? Well, does, I mean, it's a lateral move. Like, we just talked about how much better is Darnold or, or Mayfield than each – you know what I mean? They're the same player at this point. Yeah. 98.5 WJYN. Yo, yo, what's going on, fellas? Yeah, what's going on, Mark? Chillin', chillin'. Is Carm there? Where's Carm? No, nah, she's not there. She's not here today. Oh, see, I don't want to. I don't want to leave her out like last week. But first things first, like Brown's still not doing nothing. Number one, let's not act like Patrick Mahomes still ain't in the AFC. Let's not act like Josh Allen still ain't in the AFC. Let's not act like now Russell Wilson isn't isn't a part of the AFC. I actually take the Colts over the Browns, having Matt Ryan. All they needed was a quarterback not to mess things up with the Colts. And look what Carson Wentz did. He went and threw 15 left-handed passes last season, and he's right-handed. I'm so confused as to what happened there. So I'm not worried about the Browns at all because, like y'all said, Deshaun Watson going to mess around and get, what, 8 to 10 games? Like, the league ain't forget. You got 22 women out there. And, and best believe, y'all know why he chose the Browns because they're the only team who offered to give him his guaranteed money. All the other teams was giving him at least two to three years. He was like, nah, I'm good. Give me that coin. Brown said, we'll give it all to you. And that's exactly why he joined the Browns. So I'm not worried about the Browns, per usual. Chris, I mean, you've always been loving the Browns for so many years, and they just continue to just hurt your feelings. What, what, what's the reason why? I was a I was a fan of Mayfield coming out of college. So, him being the number one overall pick, I felt like they needed a quarterback that was going to take those expectations. You know, being in Cleveland, them being starved of any sort of winning football, and I felt like that was the ideal fit at the time. Granted, he also he did ended their losing streak, which compounded over about 500 days. Uh, he did get them to the playoffs two years ago when he was fully healthy and and. But you know, last year the the wheels just kind of fall off. So, like like they typically do when in, they had the world thinking Odell Beckham Jr. couldn't play football anymore, which is wild. I'm not going. I'm not going front. Like for a second, I'm like, dang, did he really lose it? Next thing you know, he goes back to the Rams, becomes a Super Bowl champ while scoring a touchdown in the Super Bowl. Like a complete 180 for him in his career. But um, I know you guys are going to get to it a bit. 
But um, first thing I wanted to say is a uh, big shout out to Tyrese Maxey playing hero ball last night because he absolutely hooped in the fourth quarter. I mean, when I say him and Shake was taking turns eating Tyler Hero for dinner, oh my gosh, it was great to watch. Miami's going to be in trouble. They are going to be in trouble because whoever got Tyler Hero on an island, they are going to work. Big work. Like, can't can't wait till things start to finally fall in place. And, like, yo, what's up with y'all man Tobias? Is he ever going to figure it out? It seems like Everyone's figuring it out, but Tobias. Who's man's? Who who is whose man's is Tobias? I don't think anyone in the city, anyone in the city of Philadelphia, would say that that's their man's. He's a great guy, humble, humble dude. Nobody claims Tobias. No one. Who? Who? Who been claiming Tobias? Who do you know? The show for almost two years. Who in any part of this show like actually claims Tobias Harris? That's nobody man's. Nobody claims him. No, that's your man's. You can claim on waivers. Nah, nah, he's a good dude, man. I bring him, you know, <laughs> I have him come to the baby shower. Yeah, you know I mean, he's the type, that's the, you could date my cousin, like. Dinner. Yeah, I, I trust him. Yeah, I mean, I trust him. He's a great guy, but I'm not trusting him on the court. Not at all, no. Like, it, it's almost getting to be unwatchable. Like, the point that Tyrese, I'm sorry, that Matisse Thibel can figure out ways to be effective on offense and Tobias Harris is still figuring it out. It's just beyond me. Like, I, I'll give him credit on his defense. Like, that is it. Like, his defense has been outstanding. I feel like that's one thing that we haven't talked about enough is the way that he has been playing defense, which is really good. I mean, despite Jimmy having 27 last night, a lot of them was off, like, backdoor cuts and, you know, him taking advantage of moments in, on defense. But when Tobias had him one-on-one, Tobias did a good job on him. So, it's just, I just don't know what's going to happen with this guy. I just, I don't know. It's frustrating. I mean, I think the problem with Tobias is if he was making $15 million a year, no one would bat an eyelash at his production, what he does on the floor. You'd be frustrated at times, but you'd be like, ah, whatever. The fact that he's the highest paid player on our team besides James in annual value makes you even more frustrated with where he is as an offensive player and as a part of this system. It's like you almost have to design things for him, but when you design things for him, his isolation game is so stupid and disjointed that it never actually results in anything positive. So then you stop designing plays for him, and then he doesn't really have any way to get involved in the offense. So then you're just like, man, Tobias, you have the quietest 12 points I've ever seen in my life. You know, so it's like. It don't even really be a real 12. It don't be a real 12. like six. And then he scores the final six in garbage time. Exactly. Like, it don't even be a real 12. Um, one more thing before I get up out of here. I'm not calling him Shake yet. I need to see, like, He's still Malik. Like, He's still Malik. Two more games. Yeah, that's still Malik. Malik Milton, that was a good show out last night. Furkan Korkmaz is still a scrub. He don't even follow through behind his jump shot. I don't even know how Haftam Jones went in. It was either, like, it was about to be off the front rim Damn near an air ball or just be nothing but net. But oh my god, Furkan is still booty butt cheek. Nah, no, nah, he, he was vindicated last night. You about to see this man? No, yeah, four quarter Furk, man. No, you about to see this man back in the rotation. Talked about, He's about to be back on rotation. Who's body taking? Danny Green? I don't want to hear it. You have not talked about Cork since Halloween. I don't want to hear it. Are you talking? Sweet, I just want I just want you to be able to look me in my eyes and straight face, Chris. In a playoff series, you telling me you're going to play Furkan Korkmaz over Danny Green? Yes. 
And yo, on, Danny on Green is note, just a ten million dollar podcast. On that note, Mark, on, it was good to that, hear from yo, you. Yo, on that note, I'm out. Like Danny uh, Green so is just I'll, a ten million dollar podcaster who plays part time for the Sixers. So JJ Ray, yes. Look, look. On that note, I'm out. John B is the most skilled big man of all time. Chris on drugs by vindication. We have waited for this. Furkinators. Who's we? Furkinators. We have waited for this for All months. seven of y'all? Yes. <laughs> we are an army of one. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Vindication. Heard the Furkin fan club. Bro, the man. The Furk club. Yes, the Furk club. Dog, the man started off four for four last night. He. I'm sorry, I can't. Him and Shake Milton, dog. No, but it's funny because, you know, like, as Carmen's been pointing out the last couple weeks, truthfully, is our bench does leave a lot to be desired on a consistent basis. But it's funny, as we saw last night with Joe and James both out, when when they're right, our bench can play with a lot of teams in the league. That's the number one team in the East that had all their pieces. Everybody was, I think, P.J. Tucker's the only guy who didn't play. No, P.J. Tucker did play. P.J. did play? Oh, okay, I, I just didn't no, see No, the, the Miami was fully healthy. Miami, okay, so the full death of Miami, we're talking Bam, Tyler, uh, uh, Kyle Lowry, Jimmy, like Duncan Robert, they got the whole squad. Yes. And we gave them work. And also defensively, that's the thing I think people forgot is we as a team defended so well last night. Mm-hmm. And so um, it begs the question that when we talked about um, a couple weeks ago, we talked about identity. And we talked about teams knowing what they do, knowing what they don't do, knowing what they have to do. Now, this statement is going to sound weird when I make it. Joel Embiid probably is league MVP. He's definitely the best player on the Sixers. James Harden is one of the best 75 players of all time. Incredible playmaker. Now, long-term sustained success. No, a team without both of those individuals would not win. But did last night show you any concern about what it looks like when you have a team that has to share the ball offensively? A team that has to... You know, use ball movement. That's funny how you brought that up. Remember a few years ago, those Clippers teams before, you know, the Paul George and, and the Kawhi Clyde, came? Yeah, mm-hmm. it was just Tobias Harris and a bunch of guys who knew how Pat to move. Pat Bev, Montrez, all those guys at yeah, the time. they just knew how to move the ball. They just played good defense. They were just all giving maximum effort. Yep. Last night, without Harden and Embiid, and I hate this word because it's such a dirty word to, for, like, NBA fans to use, like, ball stoppers. Yes. Without those guys, you saw, you know, Shake Milton was able to, you know, get hot on a, on a consistent base. Because the one thing I've noticed, when Harden and Embiid is in there, all they do is take turns. And they're like, okay, if this guy's open, then we're going to give him the shot. Yep, driving kick for, for James. Or, or if the pick and roll, you know, if Embiid pops out, he gets that top of the key three or whatever the case may be. There's like three or four plays that they really make out of that high pick and roll. Yeah. Yeah, and granted, you can conduct your entire offense off that pick and roll. But when you got a guy like Shake Milton – who can make stuff happen? Like mm-hmm. he can give you ten to twelve, you know, microwave points off the bench. But when I see him playing with Harden, he's playing off ball, which isn't his strong suit. Exactly. So like you're not going to be able to get these guys in a rhythm. So it's like when you talk about the bench, I'm like, is the bench really that bad, or is because the way that this team is now top heavy in the construction of way the way Joel Embiid and James Harden is playing, is that the rest of the guys can't really get in the consistent rhythm? And and so. It's funny that you bring that up because I think that is our biggest problem right now is that we're later in the season. We just got James a couple weeks ago. Mm -hmm. He's still getting adjusted, but the problem is is his style of play is like – his style of play is if Ben Simmons actually had an offensive game Mm -hmm. and had to think of the compromise between facilitating and scoring. 
Ben made this team go in a certain way when he was right and everything was going right because he was always deferential. Mm-hmm. He didn't need to score. And to a certain point, he didn't want to score. So the flow and ball movement was a natural part of our offense. Like, obviously on that, um, that you know, when Reese is in that dunker spot and Harden makes those drives and kind of kicks that quick pass to let him have that straight baseline drive to where his defender either has to try to hurry up or he can get the baseline jumper. Mm-hmm. That's a great play. Obviously, driving and kicking, like, we don't have a lot of great catch-and-shoot options also. Yeah, that's that's also the big thing. That's the big thing. Like, like when Shake's on or when Ferk's on or when Danny's on, like, they can catch-and-shoot, but Seth was our best catch-and-shoot guy. Yeah. So, losing him like really Shake can do it on occasion, but that's not a strong suit. He's, he's a slasher. Exactly. He's a slasher slash mid-range creator. That's what he does best. Mm-hmm. And you saw it last night. When he was able to be in his comfort zone, he looked like Shake. Yeah, and same with Furk. Same with Furkan. Furkan's an irrational confidence guy. He needs to see the ball going. He needs to keep getting shots. Once he misses and he stops getting shots is where his confidence gets shaken, and then he starts to lose it on defense. He starts to try to overcompensate and drive to the basket too much. Yeah, and the thing is, is that if you want this bench to work, I think early on you have to get these guys who are not used to shooting have to shoot because MB can turn him on when he wants to. James Harden can do the same thing. Tyrese Maxey, like I say, he's a microwave. I think you need to have a lineup like you had last night, and Doc needs to play with his lineups more. I think you need to have a Shake, Maxey, Furkan, Toby, Paul Millsap lineup where you're resting and beating Harden at the same time and you're letting these guys control the game for two to three minutes at a time or three to four minutes at a time. I think that preserves Harden's legs, that preserves Embiid's body as well, and it gives guys a chance to really get in the rhythm and control the ball the way they need to to, to, to be able to be effective. Well, well, going forward, it's probably not going to be Millsap. It's probably going to be Jordan if Embiid's playing. I'm going to be honest, Millsap was better than DeAndre Jordan last night. DeAndre uh, Jordan was getting destroyed by Bam and Oh, yeah, I get it. Bam and is a top five center in the league, so I'm not about to act like he got b- destroyed by a uh, I'm not disagreeing with that. I'm mindset of Doc. I don't. And this art. So then we're doing all this skipping around what the largest problem is with the Sixers right now. It's our coach. Mm-hmm. Truthfully, if we break everything down, you can say Joe's health. You can say James's hamstring. You can say the bench. You can say is Tyrese ready? Is Tobias overpaid? Is he going to be effective in the playoffs? You can go over a million scenarios. It is our coach. It is his rotations. It is his ability to not adjust to things. It is his ability to cater too much to his stars and not. The best teams Docs have have coached haven't had stars. Think about that. Yeah. Those Clippers teams that were right after the Lob City, even that Lob City team is like they had stars. But if you think about how that team was constructed, it was like CP was a star, and then Dion, and then Blake was like, Blake was a star. Was a star. He was never a super superstar. He was a superstar in brand because of his exciting style of play and in fact he was on the Kia commercials and, and all that good stuff. But he was never a super super duper star but the top ten players in the league. Maybe top twenty at one point, maybe top twenty five, but he was never a top ten player in this league. So that is another team that was a well-oiled machine. You had CP running the offense. You had J.J. Redick. You had Matt Barnes. You had a young DeAndre. You had Blake. You had all these pieces. You had Mark Crawford off the bench. Like J.J. Redick, Nick Young. Exactly. So for those teams, you had all of those pieces. And, you know, for me, you like you think about just think of Doc's first 10 years as the Magic's coach. The Magic stunk. But they had T-Mac. Now, in Doc's defense, we also know what that Magic team could have looked like. There's two different sliding doors where there's a Magic team that has a healthy G. Hill, Tim Duncan, and T-Mac, which is could have been stupid. <laughs> and then there's also a Magic team that just has a healthy G. Hill and T-Mac on the perimeter, and it looks like Kawhi and PG, but in year 2000. All right, hold on. 
98.5 WJ in the running back sports. Hit my music, boy. I'm back. All right. Hey, what's going on, Pops? What's going on, Mr. Uh, Mom? Now, well, now it's Pops, huh? <laughs> As you had me to exile for the past couple of weeks, huh? Her shadow realm. I mean, yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> hey. uh, that's okay. I told my boy about the movie and everything. You're for a pleasant surprise when I finally do leave this world, so uh, laugh that off, kid. Anyway. <laughs> How's everybody been? Excellent. Yeah. The weather's beautiful outside. Yeah. All our teams are great except for the Flyers, which we don't care about. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Happy trail. You're saying, you're saying the Phillies are great? Um, I think we're going to rake. And I mean rake, rake. Like, like, like prime 07, 08 Phillies where we're going to have five to six guys hitting 20 bombs in the season. I don't care how many <laughs> runs we give up. We're going to score seven runs a game. Just keep it under six. I I, I can. Yeah. Why you care? Because Zach Wheeler, Zach Wheeler went side young or something. I don't care about that. I don't care if his ERA is four oh five. We're gonna win ninety games and get in the playoffs. You do realize the reason why we won is because of our pitching, right? It was because of our hitting. Go back and look. Yeah. We have we had um twenty six blown saves last year. If we don't blow half of those games, we're a ninety four win team. Yeah. Shoulda woulda coulda, but uh, reality is reality. So with the Phillies. Um, the Phillies have been okay this offseason. Some of the arms they signed, I'm not too sure about. If they get one more strong reliever and at least another like starter for the, you know, starter for the rotation or anything, I'll be happy. Mm-hmm. And Lord knows they got to get somebody out in that field that's going to play defense. <laughs> what, you're not excited about Nick Castellanos playing, playing, playing out in the outfield? Odubo is yeah. a great center fielder. <laughs> Odubo, that's got to be one of the dumbest five tool guys, I, dumbest tool guys I've seen. I mean, he over he overruns balls. He hot dogs. He shows off and everything. And you know what? <laughs> He's not that small of a baseball player. Hey, listen, he did catch that last out for Cole Hamill's perfect game. And the fact that they couldn't get anybody but him to come back and everything just shows, like you know, I, that shows the Phillies like you know they still have a lot of work to do. I just think they, and this might be fool's gold, and going to your point is the fact that they've seen what he can play like at an All Star level. In all-star level Odubo Herrera, you're talking about that's one of the best nine-hole hitters in baseball. Yeah, but tell him to knock off, tell him to knock off the, uh, the, cl- the clown and everything and focus on baseball and uh, keep his antics off field to a minimum. Okay, because that's if he has a repeat of what happened to him a couple years before and everything, it's going to be a nightmare. Oh, he's done. Yeah, absolutely. That's why you bring up Adam Hazley after that. And just act like it didn't happen. Anyway, moving from baseball. Um, so I gotta ask y'all, what do you think about the Deshaun? Not only Deshaun Watson getting traded to the Browns, but getting a two hundred and twenty million dollar contract. I think the Browns are very desperate to give their their fans something they've they haven't had since Jim Brown, and that's a sustainable winning franchise. Well, I mean, I guess since the Belichick era, but you know, that's neither here nor there. But um, yeah, a sustainable winner. Um, one of the most loyal and dedicated and hungry fan bases in all of sports, to be honest. Um, they're going to get sellouts. The dog pound is going to be loud. They're going to be there. You're going to have people who are going to protest, and, and that's their right, and I understand it. Um, but from just an on-field perspective, um, you got to do what you got to do. Mm-hmm. And to give someone 200 and something million dollars guaranteed is a crazy investment and may not work out. But, hey, listen, I look at it like this. Kirk Cousins – had a, a $84 million contract guaranteed, and then it's got another guaranteed contract from Minnesota as on a one year. If you're telling me Kirk Cousins is worth at least that, 
I could buy that Deshaun Watson is worth two times that guaranteed. Mm-hmm. And not to mention, he went to a scenario in which they've kind of already been there, been there, done that with Kareem Hunt. Does anybody really even talk about the Kareem Hunt situation anymore? Nope. Yeah. So and there's video evidence. Of that. Yeah. So pretty sure, like you know, the first few months is going to be rocky. Obviously, everybody. You know, I mean, and if he's suspended, it'll be even easier because he just won't even be able to be out of sight, out of mind. Exactly. So, like, like once he starts winning football games, that's the thing about football, especially when it comes to these people with the off the field issues. Winning cures everything. Like when Michael Vick came in, in came in, took over that Eagles season in 2010, was second in league MVP. That's kind of in the rearview mirror. Nobody cared anymore. Exactly. So if Deshaun Watson comes in, puts his team back in the playoffs like they were two years ago, it'll be out of sight, out of mind. Well, first off, he's going to get suspended for these six games. Yeah. Okay. That's 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 a given. Okay. And you know, God bless him for getting that money because you know football is not for long because contracts are hardly ever guaranteed. Yep. Okay. And uh, most of that money is going to go towards some of those lawsuits. So. Yeah. That's why he needs um, on it. As as far as you know, as far as like the impact, as far as the impact of his uh, contract goes and everything, I mean, it's not my money. It's not, it's not anybody's money. The Browns, if the Browns want to do it, you know, God bless them. You know, I really feel for Browns fans because now they're the most long-suffering team in the NFL without Super Bowl, you know, next to the Lions. But, you know, that's a different story. Um, they better, the Browns brass better hope and pray that it works because if it, if it blows up, it's going to blow up catastrophically like the Hindenburg. It's going to come crashing burn all around them. And <laughs> they're not going to have anybody to blame but themselves. And since we're still on football, look, Hassan Riddick, great signing. The Eagles needed linebacker and help since forever. Okay. And the kid they signed from Indianapolis, you know, uh, what's his name? I forget his name. Huh. The person we just signed, Zach Pascal. Yeah. Okay. His total career yard is 1,888 yards. And Devontae Adams did that one season. Okay. With some of the more, like, you know, physical receivers out there and everything, I mean, do they think, I mean, do you think this guy's going to, like, you know, turn into, like, an all-pro receiver or something, or do you think they have something else in mind? They're going to, like, draft, it, they're gonna draft the receiver, they're going to sign another veteran receiver, or what? Um, I think, one, they are probably going to use one of those first-round picks for a receiver. Uh, two, Pascal already has history with Sirianni because Sirianni came from uh, Indianapolis. So he already kind of knows the system and the designs of what, um, he's going to do, from what I read, Zach Pascal is actually a pretty good run blocker. So with a team that's going to be run-centric, it, having a guy that's going to be you know, taking snaps away from Jalen Rager and J.J. Rafaela-Whiteside, which I kind of think the reason why they did that move to begin with is you, you can't look at anything other than a plus. Uh, I do think they're going to go after a wide receiver. you got to think, like, all the other top wide receivers, probably outside of, like, D.J. Shark, they all went to situations in which – the offensive philosophy is going to favor them in terms of getting targets. Like Philadelphia, if a top wide receiver like an Allen Robinson or like a Christian Kirk was going to come here, like they probably weren't going to get the ball as much as they were in, in any other situation because of the identity of the Philadelphia Eagles. I mean, Devontae Smith and Dallas Goddard, in my opinion, didn't even get enough touches as well, not to mention when you also factor in Quez Watkins as well. Well, we'll see, we'll see. And uh, let's be honest, they still got some work to do in free agency. I mean, we still need linebacker. We still need at least another linebacker. We need somebody that's going to be on the pass rush. Okay, 
the kid I thought they were drafting or anything, but he got hurt. The kid from Michigan, David Ogabu. Ojobo, you know, he yeah. Blew out of, was he, he blew out of Achilles, right? Yeah. And nobody wanted to, and nobody like went over to help him to see if it was okay. That 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 irritated me. And it's gonna be interesting. It's gonna be interesting for us the off season. Okay, now on to the Sixers. Now, tell me something. Um, since I was like incommunicado and everything, what do you think when they got blown out by the Nets? I mean, uh, okay, so I guess. For me, when we got blown out by the Nets, um, I already wasn't feeling the energy in the city, and I kind of saw that coming. Uh, like we talked about the, you know, last uh, few times during the show, it was just like, all right, yeah, we don't like them, whatever, whatever. But it's almost like that, um, that ex girlfriend you have, where like you keep wanting to show that ex girlfriend how hot your new girlfriend is, and unless that ex girlfriend notice, you're not really over it. I think a lot of that is what happened with the Ben thing, where it was just like we wanted to show him how much we hated him and chanting his name during the game and everything. And it's like all that did was rile up the Nets. And all that did was rile a guy like KD who lives for sticking at the fans, who lives for letting these fans know that, like, and not in a bad way, in like a humbling way sometimes. It's just like, bro, y'all are broke, y'all are mad, and y'all are upset. And here's why I'm going to show you exactly why. And to be honest, it, I was embarrassed for the first time in a while to be a Philly fan. Like, I know people talk about the oh you guys threw batteries and snowballs at Santa and all that BS, but like, um, I just felt like like people outside of his hotel room yelling at him and stuff like that was just weird energy, and I told Chris and nauseam that at full strength I think Brooklyn's better than us, and that game was a perfect example of like if that happens in a playoff series we might get swept. Well. Looking at looking at that look at Brooklyn game, okay, I kind of had a I kind of had a feeling, you know, the energy wasn't there. I mean, the crowds were puzzled than the Sixers actually were. Okay, exactly. Harden had, you know, Harden had his worst games of Sixers up to that point. Okay, Maxi, you know, Max had an off night. JoJo got his points, but most of them were at the foul line. Exactly. Okay, and once again, you know, Tobias Harris, he showed a little bit of dog and everything. But everybody else, we and I said this, to, I said this to people, we had no bench. Except for maybe Niang, we really don't have a bench. DeAndre Jordan is cooked, along with Paul Millsap. Cook Myers is, you know, he is what he is. Okay. Shake Milton, yeah, another one who is what he is. Um, <laughs> and I think that, you know, Dalmore was so obsessed with Landon James Harden that he forgot to address our bench, our second unit. Because really, who who is the best bench score we have we have right now? Best bench score? Yeah. Shake. Natural creator on his own, Shake. I think you should start I'm just gonna sound crazy and I know everybody would be mad about this, but I think you should start someone in place of Maxi and have him be the leader of the bench unit. I think so you should like Danny Green. Either Danny Green or Furcon. I'm being honest because I, I get it, having all that firepower in the first starting unit, but then what happens the last four minutes of the second quarter or that four to six minutes in the middle of the third where Joe is resting or James is resting? It's like, I think if Maxie's out there, lead, like you saw it last night, he can lead a, a bench guys against a victory against the number one seed in the East. So I think, like, you're not punishing him. You're just making him a super sub. Very true, very true, because... <laughs> The way Brooklyn came in at eight, eight six at lunch and everything, they had to be kind of like, you know, 
<laughs> and be shaking my head. And, you know, the East is kind of East is kind of stacked. You know, the win against Miami last night, not was standing. Yeah, no, the top four seeds in the East is like a it's like a bloodbath right now with us, Milwaukee, Boston, um, you Chicago. know, and, and no, Chicago's the sixth seed now. No, they're fifth. No, they're the sixth seed. No, Cleveland. Yeah, and sixth. Boston is balling out right about now. So is, is Milwaukee third? Yeah, Milwaukee's third. Okay, okay. Miami, it's Miami, the Sixers, Bucks, Celtics, Bulls, then Cleveland. Okay. Ooh, that Boston, yeah, Chicago. Boston is that team nobody wants to see in the playoffs. Especially now. us. Especially us. I want zero part of that. Yeah, so, and once again, you know, <laughs> I'm harking that back to other clans, those like not getting this decent team. Once again, it's a different story. But oh, I digress. Yeah, so, but um, it's, you know, and consider, you know, consider like the way the East is stacked and the way the West is stacked because out of the West, I don't see anybody really beating Phoenix. And you know, you know, it's kind. Of, everybody thinks Joe is going to win the MVP this year. He should. But let's be honest: the fact that Joker did is doing what he's doing, and he doesn't have um, Jamal Murray and uh, Michael Porter Jr. And the fact that he, he's balling out like that, you know, that's something I take consideration too. And the fact, and also something from the next game also kind of like you know had me had me like it's like you know puzzled. Um, so I should shake my head and worry. Is the way uh, they sick Nick, Nick cracks on uh, on uh, JoJo and everything. He was frustrating him down low, and it's just like like the Nets just came in waves and waves and waves and waves and waves and everything. It's like they couldn't hit, they couldn't miss anything. So, do you think? Anything, so I guess anything but the finals this year is a failure. Correct? Uh, not for me because I feel like. We won't know what this team really can look like until we get that Tobias money off the books and then use that to get more sustainable players. So to me, like, if we don't at least get to the Eastern Conference Finals, that's a loss. But I feel think I don't think we're the best team in the East. I think if Brooklyn's healthy, they're better. I think if Milwaukee's fully healthy, they're better. I don't Boston's too much of a wild card. And then I think we're better than most everybody else in the East. And even Chicago fully healthy, like, yeah, we've owned them, but I could also see them beating us in the playoffs. Very true, very true, very true. I mean, <laughs> right about now it's all a crapshoot, but uh, let's just say it's a big divide between top teams and lower teams in the, in the, in the um, as far as bracketing goes. Um, if, Brooklyn gets, if Brooklyn gets on a high streak, like you said, I don't see anybody stopping because KD, the way he just destroyed the Sixers, I can see him just like coming up big like that on every game. So, we'll see what happens. So anyway, crew... As always, it's great to be back. You know, hopefully I won't get put on punishment again by somebody who shall not be named right about now. <coughs> you should uh, you should definitely get a throat lodging, Dad. Definitely. All right, Dad. Uh, we'll see you next time. Okay, y'all. Stay, stay, stay safe. All right, you too. Ladies and gentlemen, my dad. Once again, you're listening to 98.5 WJYN, the running back sports show, Sports for the Culture, every Tuesday from 4 to 6 p.m. If you want to call the joint of discussion, the number is 215-763-9596. The lines is open. It's just me and Jamal here today. But, man, wait. 215-763-9596. Um... 
But I really don't. But to me, I don't think putting Maxi on the bench kind of solves anything. If anything, he could still be in the starting lineup, sub him out early, and then have him in the second half to start in the second half with the bench unit. Well, okay. I'm not necessarily he saying he needs to exclusively be relegated to bench and bench lineups. I'm just saying that there aren't many lineups out there where he's the best or most efficient perimeter creator. Not best or most efficient perimeter. But he is the number one option. Meaning, if Joe's out there, Joe's the number one option. If James is out there, James is the number one option. I think last night showed that having lineups where he has to be more aggressive is beneficial. Mm-hmm. And I think if he's our third best scoring option right now, Tobias Harris is making $37 million. That shouldn't be the case. But if he is, if we're being honest, our third best scoring option right now, I think you have to put him in positions to be able to just go and not think about, oh, I got to think about getting Joe the ball. Or I got to think about getting James the ball. Or I got to think about this. Or I got to think about that. He can just kind of rock out. Honestly, just like you said, like not Millsap, but honestly, I put Yang. You do a small ball, you know. Yeah, but I wouldn't want Niang at the five. He's not athletic enough. And honestly, I, I love Niang, but he literally is built like a man. I mean, Anthony and Tobias will be the five. Okay. <laughs> I mean, I mean, you're kind of splitting here. It's just like. Well, we, Millsap can, is still strong enough to defend fives. I just. Oh, God. It's like, you know how you go, like, on NBA 2K, you look at. You know, lateral quickness. I'm pretty sure DeAndre Jordan's lateral quickness is like a 5, and like Millsap is probably just slightly better at like a 10 or a 15. Yeah, but here's the thing. DeAndre Jordan, okay, so since I have to break this down to you since you want to be a wise behind, DeAndre Jordan's only defensive impact has always been what? At the rim. Exactly. So now that his athletic ability is starting to dwindle, where's that impact going to go? In the toilet. Paul Millsap has never been an above-the-rim player and has always been a solid, good defender based on technique and principles. I would rather have him in a playoff situation defending a big than DeAndre Jordan, who's going to try to fly in and get a block and miss and either foul someone or make a stupid play and then not be able to get back on defense. That's why I'd rather Millsap play. And also, Millsap can shoot. He can hit free throws. The only thing you're getting from DeAndre is the ability to possibly get lobs. But I'll be honest, the last couple of games, when James would throw him a lob, it's just like he can barely get up now. I'll agree to that. But in the end, it's... Not really our call to make. It's whether or not if Doc wants to make that adjustment. Oh, you already know. I mean, that that's a given. Yes. That is a given. Yeah. Honestly, can't wait for next year when Doc is gone and we get a new coach. He was like, you know what? We got some athletic guys from the bench. You know what? Basti, Springer. Yeah, you guys are in the lineup now. He's like, wait, what? Isaiah Joe, you're actually going to play. Nah, Isaiah Joe's getting traded. Wow. So we gotta throw in something for to, for, to someone. For the, we gotta put somebody in there to take Tobias off our hands. Okay, see, why don't y'all give us Lou Dort and Darius Baisley for Tobias Harris? You need leadership. We got your leadership. Hello, hello, hello. <laughs> <laughs> wow, Sam Preston, you just gonna hang up? That's crazy. Yeah. So anyway, uh, we got two second round picks for you also. <laughs> but oh man, so um. In regards to the um, looks like free agency is pretty much kind of almost done. Yeah, like, pretty much. Yeah, I mean, some you still got some. Teron Armstead, you know, former Saints uh, tackle, still hasn't gotten signed yet. I was gonna say, where do you think he winds up going? He got him. 
he did. He was supposed to get flied out to Miami to get an offer from the Dolphins, which in my opinion is a perfect fit because you're going to need somebody to help shore up that line for Tua Tagovailoa for his third year. The tool is really the guy that can do, then build, then build something for him in the trenches. Well, I what Miami is a weird team because I'm not gonna say I'm like rooting against them, but I'm definitely actively rooting against them. I'm just like whatever through that whole Brian Flores thing, and that guy was building a culture in that team, and that team was, I don't know if it was this year, or whatever, but I feel like they were gonna turn a corner sooner rather than later. Yeah, and the fact that. If they do continue to win or if they just win in general and he's not there to see it, it will really bother me. Also, yeah, speaking of rooting against them, honestly, this might be the first year I might be actually rooting against the Packers. Really? Yeah. Oh, we haven't talked about the Devontae. Yeah, Devontae Adams, you know, got traded for first and second round. I'm just going to straight up say it. The Packers do just the, – the Packers aren't serious about winning. That's not necessarily fair. You got to remember, this is a team that's owned by a town and not by an owner who has deep, immense pockets. That's one. Two, they've always been cheap. Not Robert Sarver, Phoenix Suns cheap, but they've been cheap nonetheless. Why you got to bring that up? Huh? That, that, that was the it was the, it was the well, Why are you being rude? <laughs> it was the only team I could think. For, for, first, I mean, <laughs> it was the only team. You know a cheaper owner than Robert Sarver? Donald Sterling, he don't even have a team no more. Y'all about to lose our number one pick center because he don't just want to pay him. I'm just about to like because he's not worth a hundred plus million. Wow! Why you pick him over Luka Doncic? First of all, you act like I had control of that draft. Probably <laughs> <laughs> wait. Luka Booker, I would have. Jesus, that would have been incredible. My point. Hold up, I don't care. I don't care. We won a goddamn championship. <laughs> my, po- my point. <laughs> that would have been beautiful basketball. That would have been incredible. Oh, Lucas. My point being is that <laughs> the Packers offered Devontae Adams the same amount of money. Mm-hmm. He just wanted to go to Vegas. At that point, I'm not. I'm absolving the Packers of all play. Obviously, you could have got a rod weapons beforehand that could be developed enough to take over for Adams at this point. Instead of taking Jordan Love, exactly. That's on them. We can give. We, but like those two things aren't mutually exclusive. They can have tried to do everything they did to keep Devontae Adams and also screwed themselves over. That if they lost Devontae Adams, they don't have any backup. Mm-hmm. Both of those things can be true, and they are in this in a sense. So I'm not mad. I'm. I understand why you might be actively cheering against the Packers, but for me, I'm just like when you when you love a certain player, it's like when you love AI, but you realize like, hey, his game was wildly inefficient, and you know, had he changed certain things about his game, he probably wins more. But same thing with another. Same thing with any player you enjoy or you 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 you're you're a fan of. So I think the same thing for A Rod is A Rod's hubris is his undoing. Him thinking he's the best quarterback to touch a football has made him great, but it's also the reason why he is where he is right now, where the Packers can consistently win eleven and twelve and thirteen and fourteen games, and then flame out in the playoffs. Lambo doesn't even have the same mystique of like there was a point where you just didn't lose playoff games in Lambo. It's been that way for the past twenty years. Well, no, uh, Brett, Brett's got a lot of wins. In that I mean, though. I mean, I'm about to say, bro, like Michael Vick came in there and just like yeah, so. but that was you just said, Michael Young, Phenom, Michael Vick came in and surprised the Nam Capers defense. What do you want? What do you want? What do you want me to tell you? And then the next week he came to Philly and got destroyed. So I mean, like stuff happens. But my point being is that um, A Rod's made his own grave and he's got to lay in it. That's just the truth. 
So I don't really feel like you said. I don't feel. I don't. I'm not gonna actively root against the Packers. I don't have that much interest in them. But I will say, like we talked about off air of like picking division, we both like the Lions to win that division in the weirdest thing. I've, like I like Dan Campbell. And I like what he does, and I like that that team is willing to like go to go for him. Yeah, no. When I went down in the Senior Bowl and I interviewed some of those players, and they talked about Dan Campbell's coaching style and the rest of that staff. You know, you got Antoine Randall, the wide receivers coach, Deuce Staley, who's the assistant coach. Everybody, every one of those kids down at the Senior Bowl loves Dan Campbell. Yeah, because he's a player. Yeah, player, and he has his staff is player coaches. Mm-hmm. And not just play like ballers. Mm-hmm. The issue that I have is that when it when it came to Tom Brady, like going to Tampa Bay and then going going to New England, the reason why he went there is because his opinion didn't feel validated anymore. It was either it, at that point it became more of Belichick's law or your exile. Yep. So what did what did Tom Brady do? Oh, he went to Tampa Bay. They gave him everything he wanted. Uh, Patrick Mahomes doesn't need to ask for anything because they're just automatic. Because the organization has a fundamental understanding of know what it's going to take for Patrick Mahomes to succeed. Exactly. The Buffalo Bills do the exact same thing. The the Chargers this offseason are doing it with Justin Herbert. To me, it took way too long for the Packers to fundamentally realize, like, yo, we have a franchise quarterback. We've have only won one title. And that was back well over a decade ago. What is actually going on? You took way too long to fire Mike McCarthy. You every single time in terms of, okay, we go into the draft. Maybe we should have a, maybe an input or two. Or maybe what Rodgers wants. No, we're no, we're way too smart for that. We're gonna we're gonna do what we want. You drafted his replacement without even consulting him. Okay, I think I'll give it to you like this. We talked last week, or was it the week before last, about um. The Sixers and their culture problem, right? Yeah. The Sixers culture is just Joel Embiid and whatever that means. Yeah. It's the same thing with the Packers, dude. So that can be a thing where that helps you or hinders you. Like Luka Doncic on the Mavs right now. Their entire offense, their entire team is built around what Luka can do. How he can propel the offense, how he can drive and kick, how he can set guys up. There but now that you've had Jay Kidd come in and be like, Okay, we're still gonna run the offense you because as a point guard I know how to do this, but let's Get other ball handlers involved. Let's run some pick and roll back screens. Let's get some things going on in offense to get you moving around to get you some easy buckets. So I say that to say with the Packers is for a long time, the Packers got complacent. And I will agree with you when you said your statement about they don't want to win. It's not that they don't want to win. I just think they underestimated how much they needed to do to win with Aaron Rodgers. Especially because you got to remember, like, Context is key to everything. So when Rodgers first takes over, right, that first year they're okay, then they make the playoffs, then they win the Super Bowl, all in consequential order. And then the next year they're the best team in football and they go 15-1, mm-hmm. and they lose. And then from then on out you start to have these weird, stupid occurrences, the Colin Kaepernick game in Candlestick where he runs for 181. Mm-hmm. Then the next year is they lose to Kaepernick again in, in Lambeau. Mm-hmm. Then the year after that, A-Rod, no, then the year after that is the Brandon Bostic fumble in, in the NFC title game where they should have went to the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. Then that year after that is the Arizona Cardinals Larry Fitzgerald game where he turned into 08 Larry Fitzgerald. Like 2016, they're in the NFC title game. They just got washed by the Packers. Like I'm in Atlanta. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. You're right. They, they, it was in Atlanta. They just got washed by the Falcons. Yeah. Like so, that's a five. Well, that's a five-year period where they were either the best team in the NFC or in the NFC title game. So, and then you get to 17, where that's the year A. Rod gets hurt, and they have that weird year. And then 18, did they make the playoffs again? Or did no, he they hurt didn't. Again? He got hurt again. Broke, was that the broken collarbone? Mm, 18. Let's see. No, they just weren't good. That was just. 
It wasn't the collarbone. It was the uh, the hand, it was the leg injury. Yeah, he had to, he missed. And Mike McCarthy got fired midseason. But here's the thing. This is the thing that I'm trying to tell you when it comes to a Rod and why I'm not gonna say I'm excusing the Packers' complacency. But any if you if we were to go back right now and document any healthy Aaron Rodgers season is at least a playoff team and at least ten or eleven wins, guaranteed. Right. At base level, what more do you have to change about that? And think of it, even their losses, right? I'm not gonna say, oh man, but like, like you like, like the Colin Kaepernick running for 200 freaking yards. Who sees that coming? You feel me? Like, and then that next year, it happened back to back years. No, he didn't run for 181 the next time. If you remember that next game, it was like 17 to 14. It was a really good game. They just lost in a flus, uh, a slug fight. They lost in a, in a shootout. And then the next year, they came back. They make it to the NFC title game. They have a two touchdown lead and give it away in the fourth quarter. Stuff happens. The next year, they beat the team that most people thought was the best team. And they lost to the team that most people thought was the best team in the NFC until they got destroyed by the Carolina in the NFC title game. But in a classic, one of the best playoff games ever. And then the next year, they make it back to the NFC title game and get washed. Like, it is what it is. So, and then you have that four-year stretch where A-Rod was hurt on and off each season. And they kind of never got the regaining from it. Then 2019, a healthy A-Rod again. Boom, back to 13 wins. You just ran into a San Fran team who does everything the opposite of what you can do. They can put pass rush on A-Rod. They can run the ball. They do ball control. Like, the kryptonite for them. Yeah. Every team that's beat them runs along that same yeah, line. Yeah, but that's the thing, though. It's like when it comes to it's like how many times are you going to – that's the thing we talk about organizational philosophy, particularly the 49ers. It's like what is the Packers' identity outside of Aaron Rodgers? If you keep going to these different types of scenarios and you keep losing kind of in the same way – i.e. the reason why the Packers more often not when they lose in the playoffs is because of their defense. When are you going to obviously, you know, allocate more money to, you know, I don't know, get a guy that's be able to, you know, play quarterback contain when you go up against a guy like a Colin Kaepernick? Or when you get, like when you're going to go out and, you know, get some legitimate corners, uh, you know, to deal with Matt Ryan and, like, the Julio Jones and the Roddy Whites. Like, here's the thing, like, when Brady left, and, like, I, it was like, would you say that the organizational philosophy between New England and Tampa Bay in terms of what Tom Brady went to is completely different in terms of change of philosophy? I would agree. Yeah. So, Brady, you know, you know, nickel and diamond, you know, right down the field, good offensive line, great defense. They're great in terms of slug fights, slug fests. You really don't have that high prolific offense like you used to have, you know, when you had, you know, the Randy Mosses, you Wes know, Walker and, and, and all that. Yeah, your 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 typical tight end duo. When he went to Tampa Bay, he was like, Oh, he was like, Yeah, we're gonna need you to throw 30, 30 or forty times a game. He was like, But with what he was like, you got Mike Evans, you got Chris Godwin, Gronk came out of retirement for you. Leonard Fournette's actually a pretty underrated catcher in the backfield. Uh, Scotty Miller is a burner down the middle, like yeah. he had a guy. Oh yeah, and we got Antonio Brown mid season. Yeah, have fun. So, at that point, it's like, okay, what you did in 2010, sure, that was dope. But how many losses have you literally have saw under your watch as a pack as a Packers owners in terms of Ted Thompson, Brian Goonholz, the GM, where it's like, you know what, maybe we should switch this up. You know, okay, well, let's think of the success formula that won. Let's really break this down then. In 2010, when they won, a Rod was quarterbacking at an ungodly level. Mm-hmm. I think that's still the single season besides Nick Foles' single season quarterbacking record for passer rating. He's either that year or the next year. My point being is he was on another level. Mm-hmm. Um, but the one thing I think people forget is you had Nick Collins. You had Charles, Charles Woodson. You had a young Clay Matthews. You had B.J. Raji. You had a defense. Mm-hmm. Something that I'm not going to say. And if you look at the last couple of years of Packers teams, it's like, 
You got Jair Alexander. You had the Smith brothers before one of them went back to Baltimore. Zadarius. Um, oh no, he's he, he he didn't go to Baltimore. He went to Minnesota today. Oh really? I thought he was going back to Baltimore. No, that 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 deal rescheduled. He's going back to um, he's going to Minnesota now. Got you, got you. Okay, that's hilarious. <laughs> um, so before you lost the Smith brothers, you know you got Kenny Clark, who I love, one of my favorite D tackles in the league. Um, you know uh, what's his face? Uh, oh, on the line? Yeah, I'm trying to remember his name. Adams. Daniels, Mike Daniels. Mike Daniels, yeah. Yeah, Mike Daniels. So, like, you had players, um, you know, pe- uh, 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 not really, no real linebacker, linebackers to, to, to write home a lot. I mean, I guess Blake Martinez, you want to count him. Um, but those defenses don't stand up to that early 2010s Packers defense, and that was what was their calling card. You had Charles Woodson was a perennial Defensive player of the year candidate at that point. Clay Matthews was a rookie, young phenom. Like, B.J. Rodgers was a great D-tackle at the time coming out of Boston College. Like, they had pieces on every level of that defense. Yeah, they dominated you up front. Exactly. You know, you don't see that in remake games no more. Nope. And it's the reason that the Packers are their exact kryptonite. Like, I think if they play, if any other team comes in a Lambo, they probably are in the NFC title game. Yeah. Just the truth. And then you get to the Green Bay and the Rams, and to be honest, in the Dome, in SoFi, in Cali, I'll take my chances with A-Rod over Matt Stafford. Now, we'll never know what if, what, you know, being the case. But I say that to say that um, when you get into situations like that, um, how am I trying to say this? When you let your identity float for so long, you eventually look around and you're like, I don't know who I am. So for when A-Rod first came, it was play defense. You know, A-Rod makes some plays, run the ball with uh, Ryan Grant and, and uh, James Starks, and you're going. Then for a long time, you know, you had the Eddie Lacy, who's kind of a running game, but not really. And then you kind of tried to plug and play until Aaron Jones came, and he's been the guy for the last three, four Tom years. Montgomery, I remember. Jesus <laughs> you know, so That's my point. So, like you said, it's Mike McCarthy's coaching. It's, it's A-Rod's hubris sometimes. It's the softness of the defense. It's just a bunch of – different extenuating circumstances that have stopped the Packers from even winning one more title in the last 12 years. Yeah. So, um, I guess back to your comment, I can 100% understand exactly why you're going to sit there and, you know, kind of intentionally uh, hope that they don't win. But, you know what? I'm not hoping that. I'm just, it's, as a Rodgers stand, I'm just tired. Yeah. Like, like, I can't hold on to this belief. Like, granted, you still are one of the greatest quarterbacks to, like, ever step up. But this whole belief was like, okay, if I got number 12, not the number 12 in Tampa, but the number 12 that's playing up in Green Bay, you, you know what? I'm all good. I don't believe that anymore. No. It I, doesn't automatically make you a contender anymore. Yeah. I, I don't believe that. Like, home field advantage, like, over the past two years now when you're the number one seat that doesn't mean anything you know because you letting teams come up to your crib and just and just beat you soundly yeah. like we've seen the, like the 49ers have done it multiple times three times oh, oh no yeah. twice 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 well in the last three years but yeah. in, overall he's 0-5 against the Packers and players 0-4 against the Packers and players yeah two against two against Kaepernick yeah. they lost the NFC title game in San Fran and then lost the divisional game this year. Yeah, and you know Tom Brady's beating you. You let Eli Manning come up to you after a fifteen-one season MVP candidate season. They come up, and, you know, they beat you. So like that mystique. I didn't forget about that. Yeah, that mystique in Lambeau Field is gone. 
Like Aaron, the mystique around Aaron Rodgers is gone also. Exactly. And when you look at that team, like about how top heavy they kind of depend on that combination between him and Devontae Adams, that's gone now too. So even if you get a wide receiver, there isn't a wide receiver like a Jamar Chase or like a Justin Jefferson in this draft that can kind of come in and immediately have that same impact, kind of similar to what you're going to miss now with Devontae. That's true. Because for the past four years now, that's been your identity. I'm just wondering what the offense looks like. Do you lean on Aaron Jones more? Do you obviously have to draft the receiver in the first round, right? Yeah. I would assume you just have. And also, don't forget, it was a a signing trade. I guess the most you can have a signing trade in football, like the Deshaun Watson deal. So, I think they got, what, a first and a second in this year's draft? Yeah, they got two firsts and two seconds now. So, I mean, you got two firsts and two seconds in this year's draft. Like, let's say you go get Drake London and – Let's say in the second round you double dip and go get Jamison Williams and Jamison Williamson or Williams? Jamison Williams, yeah. Jamison Williams. And let's just say Williams is back by like week four and you got Drake London. So then your receiving core is Scantling, Lazar, Drake London, Jamison Williams. I think Scantling's gone. Is Scantling gone? Where is it? I think all they have left is uh, I think the only receivers Lazard. that they have left is uh, Lazard and uh, Amari Rodgers, who they drafted last year. Yeah, he's a free agent. So the only receivers they had in the lab was Lazar and uh, Amari Rodgers, who they drafted last year out of Clemson. Hurt. By the way, I would take Valdez Scantling, Howie. Give him a call. What you mean? We got Zach Pascal. We're fine. Ugh, I'm going to ignore that one. Yeah. But anyway, but, but, but speaking of uh, Zach Pascal, you know. Once again, you're listening to 98.5 WJYN, the running best sports show, sports for the culture. We're at the uh, top of the hour, 5 o'clock. we still got about an hour to go. If you want to call to join the discussion, the number is 215-763-9596. And, you know, let's talk about it. Let's talk about the Eagles offseason. Yay. Uh, yeah. It's my, my sentiments exactly. I, I understand they have three first-round picks, so I can't really dictate in terms of what exactly they're going to do with those picks. But I'm a little underwhelmed when it comes to free agency, when it comes to the Eagles. You got your pass rusher on Hassan Reddick, which was the absolute need because you had the second-worst pass rush after it, um, right after Atlanta. So you're going to need some guys to come in, you know, rush the passer. Brandon Graham should be coming back healthy at, at the ripe age of 35. But to me, outside of Hassan Reddick, they're just running it back. I don't hate that because if you're bringing back Fletcher, who had a slow year, Javon Hargrave was a monster. Josh Sweat was great before he got hurt, and then he was still good afterwards. Um, and now you'll have someone on the opposite side of him to take pressure off of him so he's not getting double teamed or he can force quarterbacks to that side. So it'll be interesting to see what Sweat and Reddick can do because this is the first time I think since we had Chris Long and BG on our side where I had two guys who I was sure could get to the pass rusher. So it'll be interesting to see how we'll be able to do this thing. And you know how we, we're going to draft at least one or two more defensive linemen somewhere in this draft. Mm-hmm. Whether that's Wyatt, whether that's Jordan Davis, if he's still around, whatever the case may be. So um, I would love to see us bring in a corner to compete. I remember uh, Darius Slay kind of uh, free agent. I like to call free agent flirting. Mm-hmm. Um, I saw him free agent flirting with Patrick Peterson on Twitter. So maybe, I don't know, I, I know that's always like, hey, uh, players can say whatever they want if an organization's not looking at you. But, like, I wouldn't mind taking a flyer on Patrick Peterson to see what he's still got left, you know? 
Worst kind of worst. I mean, there's a guy that's a 10-year vet, takes care of his body. Why not? You got Slay on one side, Patrick, Patrick Peterson on one side, Devontae Maddox in the slot. You could do worse. Um, obviously, you know, not getting um, Marcus Williams or even Quandre Diggs, who I know you really wanted Diggs, kind of screws us. But maybe, I don't know, you you know, you, you were talking the other uh, week about, you know, the possible trading up to get Kyle Hamilton, which I wouldn't necessarily hate that. I just hate the prospect of giving up two of our picks for one guy. But if he's like that, like everybody's saying, if he's Earl Thomas, generational, like, Derwin James once in a every five years type safety, then I wouldn't hate it. Yeah. He's projected to go number two overall now. To who? Who's left? Detroit. Ooh, Detroit with a thumper in the middle who could play center field. Oh my god. Yeah. Detroit might be my favorite team to watch this year going in the league. Yeah. Like, and I, they got I two first round picks also. I love Amon Ross St. Brown. Do you think they go get a quarterback or do you think they go with Koff? It depends. Because, like Jeff said last week, like that wild card pick is the number two pick. So, my opinion, the safe pick is Kyle Hamilton. You know, because that kind of fits into the mindset of what Dan Campbell's going to try to do in terms of like just building a culture, building a team full, of, you know, just football guys. Yep. But if they pull the trigger and they go after Malik Willis, I'm like, mm. dude, I saw Malik Willis do like, I guess this scramble drill the combine. Yeah. And he kind of did like a. A flush out to the left, spin back right, and oh. he hit that back foot. And, dude, he launched his 60 yards, 70 yards in the air. Yeah. Like, and you know what the sad part is? The first thing I thought was, Howie. Man, I wish we had a quarterback who could do that. <laughs> <laughs> and it's not the crap one, Jalen. It's not that I don't think he'll get better. It's just so frustrating to go from a guy who, like, the flick of the wrist, Carson Wentz was throwing his 70 yards in the air in his prime. You can say whatever you want about him now, about his attitude, about how things went. I get it. But when he was right, he looked the right that I don't think Jalen will ever look even when he's right. Is that fair? No, that's that's fair. You know what I mean? I mean, so, you could be a good player. Just you, you're just, Carson's peak, like I said, I don't think Jalen will ever be able to touch that season. Yeah, Carson's peak was MVP. Like, let's be real. If he didn't get hurt, his peak was MVP. I don't think Jalen will ever play at an MVP level. Yeah. And I, once again, I love that these things are recorded and, like, you know, us doing this. It's, I'm I'm all for my takes being real. I'm all for please put me on freezing cold takes one day. I would love that, but I just don't think I'm going to be wrong in this situation. I just think his ability has a ceiling on it. No matter how hard he wants to work, no matter how much he's the guy that guys want to follow or run through a brick wall for, it's just if you got it, you got it. If you don't, you don't. Yeah. And can I ask you an honest question? Yeah. What was a better season, Jalen Hurts like this past year, or Carson Wentz's uh, 2019 season? Carson Wentz is 2019. Thank you. There was no consistency to the run game that year. His receivers were infinitely worse. He didn't have anybody as good as Devontae Smith. He had an injured Jatron Jackson that he only got to play one week with. He was the first quarterback in NFL history to over 4,000 yards without a single wide receiver over the 500-yard mark. You got to think. He dragged the team throughout the month of December with Greg Ward J.J. Ortega-Whiteside, Robert Davis, a bunch of practice squad guys. That's what I'm saying. To the playoffs. And people want to talk about, oh, Jalen Hurts brought this team to the playoffs. I'm like, that's semi-true. But here's the one thing I really don't like. when His it comes legs in Boston Scott and Miles Sanders and Jordan Howard brought this team to the playoffs. Uh, Our defense playing opportunistically and stepping up big in the second half of the season. 
Listen, when people talk about that, it bothers me because you're not giving enough credit for Nick Sirianni. This this is a guy that was two and five that everybody wanted gone, and then he was like, you know what? Yeah, this stuff I'm trying to do with Jalen, yeah, I can't really do that. I can't have him throw 30, 40 times a game because, one, he's not capable of doing it. Two, we don't have the personnel to pull this off. Exactly. So we're just going to do – we're just going to run the football. We're going to throw high-volume throws about like 20 to 25 times at max and you know during these games. And you know what happened? He won seven out of the last ten. That's why context is important because, and that's also the reason why I like the staff. That Siri, that's why I also like Sirianni's staff a lot more than what people want to get credit for. Even because you can only do so much with what the personnel that you're given. Nick Sirianni didn't have that much to work with, and he still made it a playoff team. And as much as everybody wanted Jonathan Gannon gone, you know, because for a bunch of better defensive coordinators out there, I get all that, but. In a playoff game against Tom Brady, and then you find out the day of Josh Sweat's not available, who is your best pass rusher? You're going up against Tom Brady with no real pass rush, no good linebackers, and you only have one good player in your secondary, and that's Darius Slay. What do you expect him to do? But, yeah. <laughs> exactly. Oh, man. Exactly. I, I'm just I'm 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 not even necessarily frustrated with where our team is right now. I just know we're in this weird middle ground where we weren't as good as a nine win team, but we dang sure wasn't as bad as a four to five win team. Yeah. So I don't we're know. We're in purgatory. Exactly. And it's the work in any sport it's the worst place you can be. You don't stink enough to really get good picks to improve your team, but you're not good enough to be constantly contending. Yeah, and that's why this whole nonsense where well, Jalen's paying out, we can go ahead and get a quarterback next year. Where? Well, we're going to be an eight-win team at, at worst last year. Yeah, and you got to think, those top teams are probably going to be bad, probably like the Texans or, you know, other teams, kind of like Houston. When, what do you think that you think Houston's going to be perfectly fine with any trade package? Uh, that we're going to give them for, for Bryce Young? No, they're going to stay there. They're going to take Bryce Young, and they're going to use those picks to build around him. If Houston, I'm going to just say this right now. If Houston builds this team right, they might not take as much as long as, as they might not take as long as, as uh, they might not take as long to bounce back as you would think. No, I agree. Same with Seattle. In my opinion, Seattle's one of my, might have been one of the teams that actually won this offseason. Oh, yeah. Because your identity was Russell Wilson. So, you weren't good, in, like, and you're not a Super Bowl contender. You were one of the worst teams in the league when he wasn't playing, but you were a middle of the road football team when you were with him. So you know what? At that point, cut up, cut your losses. You know, Wilson, listen, we're going to trade you. Figure out where you want to go. We'll accommodate for that. Exactly. That's exactly what it did in Denver. You got a bunch of picks. You got a good guy. You got a good, you know, young quarterback that you really don't have to pay because he's on his last year's rookie deal. Drew Lock. Yep. You got a good locker room defensive guy to help. You know, Galvanized Locker Room and Shelby Harris. Yep. You got a really good young tight end in Noah Fant. Really good young tight end. Yeah. Saying so, you got your first round pick back that you traded for it to begin with when you traded for Jamal Adams. Exactly. And you can even use that pick to trade back also. Exactly. So now you got all that draft capital. And then you got, you got all that draft capital. And now you're going to be in a situation where next year you're going to be in prime position to either get Bryce Young or, shoot, Drew Locke could ball out this year and you got your guy. Maybe it wasn't – Drew Locke's probably not going to ball out this year. But maybe it wasn't Denver. 
Like, I always think that in any situation, like, obviously, you know, ball is ball in, in all sports, and if you can play, you can play. But I also think, like you just said, context is key, and I think context is also key in, like, where you play for and what team you play on. Yeah. I'm just saying, you know, if change of scenery is always good, especially for a young player, because if it sometimes it just doesn't work out. Sometimes you have to go to a different scenario, right, have a different type of error to, you know, realize your potential. If Drew Locke does pan it out, then sign him to like a team-friendly deal for the next two to three years. They cost you next to nothing. You still use your draft picks to, you know, build your team. And then at that point, you still can go back and you compete for the NFC West. Exactly. And then don't forget, like, Arizona's not a lock to be good again. Uh, San Fran still is about to start a guy who's still hasn't played more than 25 football games in his life. Mm-hmm. Like, high-level football games? Yeah, and the Rams, their ceiling is done. I mean, like, they could still go out and compete next year, but there's a timetable for that. I will say this. If they're able to, let's say they get Ojobo or Jermaine Johnson or something, and I'm not saying he had whoever that has, has to be Von Miller, right? But if they can pr- replace some of that production of Von Miller, you still have freaking Aaron Donald on that line. Yeah. Um, you know, you still have Jalen Ramsey at corner. You still have a lot of good pieces. Now you got A-Rob to go on the other side of Cooper Cup versus Robert Woods, who's injury-prone. And then OBJ is still a possibility to come back, or does he have, or he's still on the roster? That no, he's, he's a free agent. Okay. I mean, even so, then you still got Van Jefferson. Exactly. So let's say you less possibly say. Cam Akers will be fully healthy again. Yep. So don't now replacing Andrew Whitworth is going to be big. I'm about to say, like. That's probably their biggest issue, to be honest, from them repeating. So, okay, since we kind of talked about it off air, one from each one from each conference, your Super Bowl favorite from each conference right now, looking at the rosters pre-draft. Look, I know you're down on Trey Lance because of the lack of football experience, but I'm going to go to the 49ers. I believe that much in their culture. And the no, way it's real, the culture is real. It's like heat culture. I'm not gonna lie, it is real, but I, I just don't know anything about Lance yet. Yeah, you're pretty much trying to you're running the same, you're asking him to run the same situation as Jimmy Garoppolo, but he's a lot more athletic, a much better arm in terms of throwing downfield. So, you're going to open up more of the playbook because you have that quarterback that's going to be able to extend plays and be able to get more downfield looks. Still got Debo Samuel. Give him a blank paycheck, pay him whatever he wants. Still got George Kittle, still got Brandon Ayuk, and you still have all of your draft picks. And you so, can go get another weapon too. Yeah, so you can go out, you can go get a guy from the, like you know help shore up your secondary. You can you know get a guy that you can also put on your defensive line with Joey Bosa, uh, Nick Nick Bosa. Nick Bosa yeah, or you can go out, and you can get another wide receiver like a Christian Watson, who is a former teammate of uh, Trey Lance, probably in the second or the third round. So. I like what they're doing. I feel like I feel like they draft well. What they're able to do in terms of a philosophy, it works, and it's sustainable. The the the, wild, the biggest hangup is whether or not if Trey Lance is going to make that jump, and I feel like he can. Has Kyle Shanahan been able to call an RPO since RG three? No, he hasn't. <laughs> like you went from RG three to Kirk Cousins. And you helped Kirk Cousins. You got, you, you got Kirk Cousins paid. You gave you got Matt Ryan an MVP. 
you for the longest time you've shown that you're able to win with not only win with Jimmy Garoppolo but go to a Super Bowl with him and almost go to a second Super Bowl with him. So mm-hmm. like, let's be real. So like you said, I am curious and like I said, I know for a fact that Kyle Shanahan won't. And this is no dig on Nick Sirianni. I just think he was giving Jalen the confidence. If Trey Lance doesn't look ready coming out of training camp to throw the ball 30, 35, 40 times a game, trust me, he won't have any problem with running the ball. You know, I remember Raheem starts coming back. Um, uh, uh, what was that kid? Who was their starter this year? I cannot remember that. Elijah, Elijah Mitchell. Mitchell. He was. He looked really good. So, like, and, you know, they have no problem finding young running backs or at least scheming young running backs holes to run through. That's, oh, that's also kind of my only hang-up also with them is that, when was the last time you seen uh, Kyle Shanahan actually have, you know, an elite running back? Because a lot of it's by system and design. But I think that's something they'll address in this draft. I don't think they'll spend a first-round pick on it because I don't think there was any back in college who's worth the first-round pick. There isn't. But I think in the, say, you know, day two, maybe late, maybe early day three, I can see them, like, whoever the best running back is available just taking them because they never have a stud. He's never had a stud, even if you go all the way back. Like, Alfred Morris was the closest he had to having a stud. I'm just saying, that's going to be a crowded room. If you have Elijah Mitchell, you draft a Trey Sermon in the third round, you got Elijah Mitchell. And you got Mostert coming back. Yeah, so that's going to be a crowded room. But, but I think he's always done committee. You know, Camp, uh, Coleman and Freeman in yeah. Minnesota, Alfred Morris, and I forgot who the heck was Alfred Morris' spell back in, in, um, in Washington. God, who was that backup in Washington? Uh, one second. Because uh, he loves the two-back system because he likes to run the ball that much. Mm-hmm. Was it Roy Hulu? Yes, it was. It was Roy Hulu because Roy Hulu used to be his uh, his tough and Coleman. He used to catch out the backfield. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so um, what's yours? Okay, NFC team that I, that I believe in after March. Okay. The Rams. So, um That's gonna be the NFC title game again. I think so because so for me, right, I'm looking at all these teams. I don't know what the heck's going on with Kyler. Um obviously we've talked about how we laugh at A Rod and them. Um, you know, obviously, you know, the NFC East is a crapshoot. I think we're just gonna all beat the crap out of each other. Yeah. The NFC South is Tom Brady and a bunch of other crap going on. No disrespect to James Winston, but just let's be real. And then Marcus Mariota is the starter in Atlanta, which don't sleep on Atlanta being okay. I'll just say that. Mariota's had time to humble himself. He's had time to play behind Carr. I'm just putting that out there. They're not my pick. I'm just putting that out there. Okay. I'm just going to say him and Cordell Patterson, that's a good combination in 2016. Wow. That was rude. Um, not inaccurate. But Stafford is now a winner. And I think akin to when people become a winner, I don't think he's one of those guys that's like, ah, I'm vindicated now. I don't care about anything. I think he'll look at it as like, man, if I win two, I can start to I can start to get in some conversations. Like, I get he gets two. Is Matt Stafford better than A-Rod? Like, real. Because the numbers aren't that far off. Let's, be, let's call a spade a spade. If he gets two... What are we talking about here? You know what I'm saying? So he's going to see that in front of him. Um, I would obviously, like you said, the pass rush might not be as dynamic without Von Miller, but I would also argue that if they that there are, A, still guys out there that they can get, and, B, that there are still guys that they can get in the draft to come in and do what they need to do. You still have the best corner in football 
on your shutting down one side of the field. Um, I, honestly, my biggest piece is we talked. You just hinted at it earlier. Cam Akers being fully healthy. Who I, I love Cam. I think Cam Akers is a top ten back when he's healthy. Mm-hmm. And Allen Robinson has probably been the most underrated receiver in football in the last five years. Just because yeah. Matt Nagy's offense was terrible. Mitchell Trubisky was terrible. Justin Fields was too young. Nick Foles was a shell of himself. Like, he never had any consistency Andy or anyone Dalton to really get the ball to. Andy Dalton. Who? Andy. Anyway. <laughs> yeah, that's what I figured you said. Who? But, um, <laughs> yeah. So, and I think um, this is the best second receiver Cooper Cup will ever have played with. Obviously, you know, Odell was awesome last year. But I just think Allen Robinson is dependable. It doesn't normally get hurt. Uh-huh. Big body target for Matt Stafford. Then you know, you know Matt Stafford loves throwing to a big body target. He could just be like, oh, he down there somewhere. Marvin Jones. <laughs> Martin, dude was throwing it up to Marvin Jones 30 yards downfield letting Marvin Jones make plays. What do you think he's going to do with A-Rob? So, I think they're the most complete team. I think they have confidence in themselves. I think they're going to be hungry. I think Sean McVay is not the same. Now, I know they were talking this Aaron Donald retirement and this Sean McVay retirement crap and all this. Yeah, that but yeah that's, a, that's in the rear view now. That's in the rear view. I think those guys are going to be locked back in, and McVay is going to be like, I'm coming back for everything I lost. I want I want to make up for that Super Bowl loss to yeah. check. The one thing, yeah, the one thing about McVay is that he micromanages in the right way. Yes. So it's like in regards to his staff, in regards to his philosophy, you he doesn't do the same thing twice. So it's like – the the Super Bowl that he did with Todd Gurley before Todd Gurley got the arthritis, like that you know what that was your better money. He was like, all right, Jared Goff, you and Rudolph play Ash and Todd Gurley is going to be our centerpiece. Yep. When Todd Gurley, you know, the wheels fell off on that. Unfortunately, that kind of sucked. That yeah, you're under thirty and you got arthritis. That's yeah. yeah. So he had he had to force a change up his philosophy. You know what? I'm not going to die to Jared Goff field. We're going to go back to an Aaron out offense. Uh, give me Matthew Stafford and we'll see what's up. Yeah, and it worked. So, like, yeah, that's my NFC position. I guess I'll start with the AFC, and then you can finish with the AFC. Um, oh, man. <laughs> the AFC. Oh, gosh. Do you, want, do you want me to get you a 16-sided die, and then you could just pick off, you know, whatever it lands on? Um, No, I don't think I need that. If he wasn't getting suspended, I would go Cleveland. I, that's how much I believe in Watson on the field. Um, Please don't say what you think you're going to say. Who do you think I'm going to say? I, I want to hear it. Do you think it's in the same division? No. Okay. You're right. <laughs> the Denver Broncos. <laughs> really? <laughs> Everybody's got a price for a million dollar man. Oh, no, I'm sorry. That was my Ted DiBiase impersonation, y'all. Yes, the Denver Broncos. Really? Okay. Do I really got to break this down for you? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, you actually Russell, got Russell, last name Wilson. Um... He's a locker room leader, for better or worse. Um, he's a guy that's going to galvanize the troops. He's a guy that's going to give confidence to that team. He's a guy that, um, you know, if all right, Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf, Jerry Judy, Tim Patrick, or Cortland Sutton, who's the better receiving core? Can you repeat that? Seattle or Denver, who has the better receiving core right now? I still argue Seattle. You're a wild guy for that. Ty, what? Ty, what? Do you hear Metcalf is a physical specimen? Tyler Lockett's super underrated. Is Tyler Lockett super underrated because he's great, or is he super underrated because Russ is great at getting him the ball? So you're telling me all things even with the same quarterback, what what Stephen Core I'm taking? Yes. In terms of quantity, I'm taking Denver. 
Because I would argue that Gorlin Sutton before he tore the ACL was on track to be one of those guys. Jerry Judy still hasn't reached his full pedigree, but you've seen it. And Tim Patrick was amazing last year. Now, you lost Noah Fant, but I, like we talked about, you can pick up a, a day two, day three Titan like it's nothing. Um, and, you know, what, I always make jokes about certain quarterbacks have these things that they love to do. Russell Wilson loves nothing more than throw to a tight end you've never heard of. <laughs> Who was Will Disley before he decided to be like, you're my guy, Will Disley? <laughs> like, <laughs> it's Russ's favorite thing to do. So I, I'm not worried about that weapon of it. This will be a consistent and good running game that Russ has had, which is something he hasn't had in a while. The Broncos' offensive line is very underrated, and that defense is ready. I'm telling you right now. PS2, um, you know, Justin Simmons is a monster. Um, that line is going to eat this year. Like, you got Chubb and you got Gregory. And I think both of those guys are going to be hungry to prove that they're as good as the rest of those guys in that division. You know, except for the Chiefs, whose front seven is trash, except for Chris Jones and uh, what's his face, uh, Frank Clark. But, um, yeah, I'm going with the Broncos, man. I think Russ is motivated. I think Elway's going to have those guys motivated. I think Hackett's going to have some innovative things for Russ. I'm going with the Broncos. Okay. All right, any more words of L.A. Knight? Talk to you. All right, my pick. You already know where I'm going with this. The San Diego Superchargers? No, no, the Buffalo Bills. You want to talk to me about being ready. You want to talk to me about being hungry. You want to talk to me about something to prove? Yeah, you know what? 13 seconds. <laughs> Y'all was 13 seconds away for the AFC okay. game. Okay. <laughs> okay, that's funny you just brought that up. What was the biggest issue in that in that Chiefs-Bills game? The Bills consistently couldn't get to Patrick Mahomes. They got to the backfield, but they couldn't finish Are the Are you job. about to do the Von Miller thing? Yes. Okay, I'll let you go. Okay. Von Miller, you, you've seen twice in situations, if you just get him to the playoffs... He has the ability to take over. You've seen him in Denver. Last year, you've seen it with what he did with the Rams. Mm-hmm. And now you put him in a situation in which he's going to be in the playoffs. They're probably going to win the AFC. Probably going to win the AFC East by like two games. You put him now in a situation in which, okay, we just need you to go after Justin Herbert. We're just going to need you to go after and finish the job on Patrick Mahomes. Von Miller's going to do that. And when you look at it, Every year, Josh Allen got better. You asked me, you know, a couple months ago, is Josh Allen that guy that can, you know, win you a playoff game if they need to be? Josh Allen did everything he could, everything and above oh, me. All, all jokes aside, that was one of the gutsiest playoff performances I've ever seen. Yes. He, he played out of his mind. Mm-hmm. Him and Stephon Diggs, him and Stephon Diggs are on the same page. You saw Gabriel Davis go for 200 yards and four, four touchdowns. Games, you saw the emergence of Dawson Knox. The offensive line is still pretty decent. The only thing you kind of really need now for ingress of the offensive side is a consistent is a consistent running back to get the ball to. Which is crazy because you would think with Singletary and Moss they would have something. Yeah, no, it's just nothing. So if you want to get a guy like a Kenneth Walker from Michigan State or Hassan Haskins from Michigan, somebody to get a guy ten or fifteen yards going to do some hard running because this is a draft. This is a power back draft. So if you want a guy to you know just get you those tough yards on third and one. But I've seen everything I need to do in that playoff game in with Josh Allen last year to know that he is good enough that he can get me to a Super Bowl. Just 
extenuating circumstances, 13 seconds, nobody else but Patrick Mahomes could probably pull that yeah, off. Yeah, no. That's the that's the joke of those situations. Like, no one else but Patrick Mahomes wins that game. Yeah. So, I'm a believer in Josh Allen. I'm a believer in that offense. You know, you still got Emmanuel Sanders. Like I said, the emergence of Dawson Knox. Gabriel Davis is ready to take that next step after – the emerging confidence that he had, you know, getting those, getting that massive game in Arrowhead. Stephon Diggs is still that a top five receiver, top ten. And the biggest hole that you kind of really had on your defense as a pass rusher, you got that in Von Miller. Who's your other pass rushers? Still got a, still got a draft. I mean, you got Greg Rousseau from last year, and you got a uh, what's the other kid they drafted in the second round? Carlos Basham. Yes. I so. interviewed him by the way. Really nice guy. Really nice guy? Yeah. Good, good job, Carlos. We're uh, fans on the show. Yeah. But, um, no, I'm not mad at that pick, and I figured you were going Buffalo. You've been on the Josh Allen train. I think you want to will this kid to a Super Bowl. It, and I get it. You know, he's likable. He definitely balls out. He plays hard. I like his brand of style. He's not afraid to lower his shoulder and get in there. Like, he's, he's a tough dude. And I do like Josh Allen. My one reservation, and I really don't even necessarily have a reservation, is I just think the Chiefs are in their head, and I think if they have to play the Chiefs again and it's not in, in Orchid Park, it's going to be bad. Not bad like they'll lose, but I just think they'll be thinking about 13 seconds that entire game. Everybody else, well, I don't think Josh won't. Like I said, Stephon Diggs took that in and watched them celebrate the AFC title game and then came back that next year and didn't do nothing. No, they, I mean, Stephon Diggs didn't do shit in that. It's stuff in that game. But, uh, he, uh, you know, he didn't do anything in that game. But at the same time, Gabriel Davis was just on a whole nother level that didn't, really didn't even matter. Yeah. <laughs> I've never seen, and this is no disrespect on what I'm going to say or how I'm going to phrase this, I've never seen a no-name receiver ball that hard in a playoff game ever. We're just a dude who was just like, I wouldn't even draft him on my fantasy team. And he had four touchdowns and 200 yards. That's stupid. That's crazy. That's how hard Josh Allen was balling where it was just like, oh, Gabriel Davis, you're open, click. You're open, click. Like, he was just a machine that day. Mm. And like I said, um, man. But, like, I guess, uh, to, you know, make it interesting, honorable mention is, I'm like, you just can't discount the Chiefs. And I know everybody's like, oh, teams normally have a three- to four-year window, and, like, if you don't win more than one. Not of anything, you're discounting the Chiefs. How? Oh. You said they're probably the worst. You said they're probably the – you said – talking about their defense, they're the worst defense in the league. Granted, that is fact. They're the worst defense in, like, football. It's not even funny. And now you're probably not bringing Tyran Matthew back. Your best defender is Chris Jones. That's no disrespect to Chris Jones, but, like, come on, dog. Let's not do this. So, what exactly are you holding your hat for the Chiefs for? They can't run the football consistently, and now you lost your best – Because Patrick Mahomes still exists, and – Let's be real. They could have won the AFC title easily last year, but Joey B, you know I mean, Joe Burr was on a whole nother level. But that was an Andy Reid special. I've, the one thing I do like Patrick Mahomes, but the one thing that I kind of do fear is that this either Mahomes is either going to bounce back or he's going to fall into that Aaron Rodgers hole. I could totally see an Aaron Rodgers run where he just keeps having dumb stuff happening in the playoffs after having such magical luck the first time around. Yeah. The first couple of times. Yeah. It's real for he should have two Super Bowls by now, at least. Yeah, and you got to think, they should have won last year, but, you know, Andy Reid wanted to get all cute before the half, try to go for a touchdown instead of taking a chip shot with Harrison Buckner. Yep. Like, there's a crazy, there, there's a world where they go to three, four straight Super Bowls. Mm-hmm. 
You know what I mean? And it all makes sense. You lose to the Pats in overtime that first year when he was MVP. Then you win the Super Bowl. You lose to the Bucks in the Super Bowl. And then you lose an AFC title game. That's four years where you were arguably the best team and should have won the Super Bowl. So, you know. But you and you also know, you know, I'm just really keen on the AFC West right now. Like even as a, you know, the Broncos being my second affiliated team and loving them so much. Um, besides, you know, obviously being a Birds fan, you know this. I love Justin Herbert. Mm-hmm. Justin Herbert is my next guy. If there's gonna someone who's gonna take the mantle of A Rod and then, you know, for morality reasons, the mantle of Deshaun Watson is my favorite guy in the league, it's Herbert. I love the arm strength, I love his size, I love that he's mobile. I, I think he's like if Peyton Manning and friggin' no 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 like Colin Kaepernick had a baby. Like I, I, just, I just think um for me more than anything else, uh he he's the guy who might take that MVP leap that everybody does. Like Lamar did it, Patrick did it, Josh did it this year, but he didn't win MVP obviously because of A Rod. Also, how come and I'm not mad about it, but why is there not more voter fatigue as far as MVP in football than there is in, say, basketball? Or Because I've told you this before. I think baseball always gets the MVP the right out of all the most sports. Mm-hmm. Because they don't say, like, oh, well, this team won 108 games, so somebody on this team has to be MVP. They're like, nah, dude, the most valuable player, while that's by war, like, this is the guy who's the most valuable player. I think baseball nails it every time. I think. It's mainly because, one, there are two separate MVP awards. One for the American League, one for the National League. Two, when you dive really dive into it, they also kind of separate that category. Sometimes, unless it's like you have like a Justin Verlander kind of year. Yeah, Clayton Kershaw prime-like type of year. Yeah, yeah. where it's like you, they separate the pitcher awards. Like, okay, pitchers get Cy Youngs, and then you get the MVP. Exactly. So that's also kind of the reason why baseball gets it, because they differentiate you know, different categories. So it's a lot more e- a easier process, so to speak, in terms of voting. Exactly. And then that's the thing. And then I think, like, I think we need to have, like, a, and it's going to sound weird or it so- sounds very college but we need to have, like, a quarterback of the year award. Because I don't think a quarterback is always the MVP. I just hate that that's the notion. I don't like that notion. It really bothers me because it's, like, an easy thing to oh, do. Oh, I said that a few years ago. I said, like, when it comes to, like, a so- like. The quarterback should be the Cy Young. Yes. And then, like, yes. like, like you can name it after, like, the Joe Montana. Bart Starr, whatever you want to do. Bart Starr, Joe Montana, John Elway, whatever. Uh, pick one of the old quarterbacks. Pick one. Yeah. And then you just have, like, your regular, you know, MVP. MVP. Exactly. I think you would see more variety in the voting because then people would be like, well, I'm not going to vote you the Johnny Unitas Award winner and MVP. Yeah. Also, they need to part putting offensive linemen on that ballot as well. Because you can really make an argument that Trent Williams should have at least got like an MVP vote or two. Trent last Williams year. was incredible last year. Quentin Nelson his rookie year should have been offensive rookie of the year. Yeah, but you know, because he's not flashy and he's not catching touchdowns and stuff well, like, like that. Like Saquon was so exactly, yeah. which is crazy. Saquon won offensive rookie of the year. Yeah, I guess Quentin mm-hmm. Nelson was better than him, but you know what I mean. But that's the nuance of the game, and if you're really watching and paying attention, and the problem is for, and I don't know who does the voting on the NFL awards. I think is it media? Yeah. Okay, um, I just feel like it's it's everything is narrative driven and not actually analytics and numbers driven. It's e- yeah, for it's easier for like casuals to follow. I'll give you a perfect example, and this is goes against the argument that I was having with uh, who's the caller about Giannis? Um, oh Warren, Warren. Yeah, the argument I was having with Warren, where like 
Embiid, narrative-wise, should be MVP this year, and probably depending on if he plays well, the rest stretch, and we wind up in one or two spot, we'll win it. But being honest, Giannis is MVP. Past Jokic, past Giannis, he's already in 30, 11, and 7. <laughs> like, and he's the best defensive player in the league every night, in and out. He's the, he's, he's the MVP. But for narrative concerns and for how it looks and optically, Embiid has been the most exciting and 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 and. He's got the most 40-point games in the league. He scored a 50-burger this year. Like, he's been the guy. But Giannis, by numbers, is probably MVP. So, when you say stuff like that, it brings back to my point of the NFL, where it's like, the NFL does not like to get out of that. Like, once a narrative is there, it's the narrative. Like, oh, well, the Packers were the one seed in the NFC, and A-Rod's playing out of his mind again. He should get MVP. And I'm just like, well, to me, there were guys who made their team better. Yeah, and but it's like, Optics wise, it's like, okay, well, Packers are number one seed, so we're going to give it to him. He's like, really? Is that what we're going to do? He's like, are you going to give it to anybody that's on Tennessee? Yeah, you're right. Nah, no. But see, that would burst the bubble. It would be like, it'd be like a paradox that would cause their, their, the universe to get stuck into a black hole. Because, like you said, by your metric, okay, A Rod got it because his team was number one seed. Fair. So, Ryan Tannehill for MVP? Like, what are you saying, guys? Yeah. It's like a few Jeffrey years. Simmons for MVP. Like, what are we saying here? Yeah, yeah. It's like funny. It's like when we was doing like all teams, NBA all teams. Like last year, like on the <coughs> show, um, I think my co-host, like through my co-host Mark, who you know called in the show, like, he didn't have Donovan Mitchell like on his first or second team at all. And I'm like, but the but the Utah is one of the better teams in the league. Like we all know what Donovan Mitchell does, and Rudy Gobert is also one of the better centers. So how come neither one of those guys make the team? Exactly. And I think that that's why these accolades and things like that are so hard to always. And you got guys who are kind of like, oh, I'm giving automatic spots and stuff like that. And it, and it never really truly comes down to who's the most talented guy or who's the guy that truly gives you the best chance to win. Or, or, or has had even had the best season, you know. And, um, yeah, I just uh, – yeah, I just, uh, I just, I like, like, I guess my, my bigger point was what I was getting back to was that I, I like the Chargers a lot, and I think Herbert will have. The oh, narrative. I like him too. I think the narrative will be behind him for MVP. I think also Russ will have some of that narrative. Let's say the Broncos come out three and zero, and Russ has got twelve touchdown passes. The oh, first so pretty much weeks. what Russell does every year: start off hot. But here's the thing: I think that mile high air for Russ, who already throws an incredible deep ball, having a consistent running game, a coach that's not Pete Carroll. I think you're going to see a good rest. I think you're going to see an improved rest. I think he had the time to sit out. His body's going to be healthy going into camp this year. Like, we'll see. I'm excited. Oh, I agree to that. You know, sometimes change scenery. It's not just going to a new team, but also having a new coach and a new philosophy. Exactly. And I think he's a guy who he wants to prove that. Huh. He's been. I think, um, you know, whether Seattle fans want to admit this or not, they're still mad at him about 2014. Oh, yeah. Seattle, Richard Sherman's still mad about him, don't say. Richard Richard Sherman to this day is still mad about that. He knows he should have two rings on his finger. Mm-hmm. So, um, I think Russ, that's why in his introductory press conference, I thought it was hilarious and very ballsy for him to be like, yeah, we're going to win three or four Super Bowls. I was like, whoa, Russ, you got to slow down there, buddy. But I'm not going to lie, I like the confidence. He's like, dude, I'm going to play another 10 years. And in his defense, like, yeah, his style of play and his body breaking down and things like that are probably not going to be the same. But, like, if there's anybody I believe in the league who would have the fanatical fanaticalness, 
let's go with that fanaticalness <laughs> of uh, Tom Brady to legitimately keep his body together for a 10 year period to play to 44 it's Russ it's Russ it's Russ like if you're taking a poll of who's a guy who would do everything possible to play to 45 it go Brady and it's Russ Russ is number two so when he says, oh, I'm going to try to give the team a chance to win three or four championships, I agree. It also bothers me even more than, how, why didn't you pull the trigger? Dallas Goddard, Josh Sweat, two first-round picks, done. Listen, this is what I'm going to hold on to. If there was no trade, if there was no trade clause, because Wilson and Watson had to sign off in terms of the teams they were getting traded for, if that wasn't a factor at all, one of those guys wouldn't have been in Philadelphia right now. That's true. But it also says more about what, who, what and who we are as an organization. And people are like, nah, we're good. Deshaun Watson, I mean, we also weren't going to give Deshaun Watson five years, $200 million guaranteed. Yeah. You'd have gave Howie a poor old Howie a heart attack. He'd be like, how much? Oh. <laughs> nah, I think he would have. Because yeah. he, got already, he, already, he already got the three-year extension. You're not going to fire him. I don't, I just, no. Everything about how Cal, Cowie. <laughs> I almost called him Coward Howie. Everything about how Howie operates and thinks, or, as far as since he's been the GM, since we've known him, what would make you think he'd give a do? You have to understand. This is not a hundred million guarantee. It's not like one twenty-five. This is a fully guaranteed contract for two hundred and thirty oh, million dollars. Because he gave Carson Wentz one hundred twenty-eight million dollars and flipped him the following year. Yeah, but that's a that was a hundred twenty million dollar deal overall. You have to really understand the ramifications. Remember when Kirk Cousins signed his $84 million guarantee for like three years or whatever it was? And it was like, wow, $84 million guarantee. People were like, whoa, Minnesota, y'all kind of tripping. That was for Kirk Cousins. You think how he's busting out $230 million guarantee? That's crazy. That's the new quarterback market. So eventually, sooner, so eventually, down the line, if Howie's still there, if Howie does find this guy, i.e. when it's Jalen Hurts or he goes in the draft and drafts somebody or he trades for somebody, that is going to be the price tag now. You've seen Josh Allen get $256 million. You've seen Sean Watson get a fully guaranteed $230 million. We don't know at this point about how much Lamar Jackson is going to be making. But here's the thing. My issue isn't even the market quarterback price. If the AV, if the AV is $35, 40 for a quarterback, I get that. That's the market. I'm talking about the guarantee. That's like, I'll give you a perfect example, right? He's not going to face no criminal charges, right? So he will never go to jail. So you've guaranteed that you have Deshaun, Jack, Deshaun Jackson, Deshaun Watson for the next five years. Five years, yeah. What if he tears his ACL and then is never the same guy? You just paid $230 million for somebody who could. I mean, he's already teared it twice, so. That's true, and he's still pretty darn incredible. But my point being is that, like, fully guaranteed contracts in football are like the devil. Unless you're paying, unless you're like one year ten million, one year eight million, one, whatever. Keep that six million. Who cares? If you sucked, you sucked. Yeah, but like, you got to think like Patrick Mahomes doesn't even have that much guaranteed in his contract. Think about that. Okay, but you got to think these fully guaranteed monies, these fully guaranteed deals that quarterbacks is making. That's probably the only power that these players are now going to have. Because you got to think all the NBA, NBA, when you look at the NBA, <coughs> and that's why every single time when I think about the NFL contracts or the NBA contracts. NFL players are jealous because their money is going. The NBA's money, like Tobias Harris, that thirty-seven million, regardless of performance or anything else, he gets cut tomorrow. Yep. That's still going to be guaranteed to him, no matter what. So when you look at these deals now, 
that's probably going to be the only power that they have. This is probably also a thing that they're going to be next doing with the next CBA, where they're going to talk about guaranteed contracts. Exactly. 100%. Yeah, so like, how much do you really think that... Because next up is going to be Joe Burrow. Next up is going to be Justin Herbert, Lamar Jackson, Kyler Murray. How much do you really think they're going to make after seeing that deal? They're going to be like, well, hold on. I've been I've been with you guys. Like, if, like Joe Burrow is going to have like an actual argument. Like, I've literally tore my ACL playing behind this offensive line. It, it took you just now to fix, and I got you like in the like an arm shot away from getting you guys the Super Bowl. Give me that fully guaranteed money. What leverage does Cincinnati have to deny him that? None. Because I walk. Yeah, I walk and listen. Because the reality is that okay, fine, we won't. All right, cool. Because here's the thing: if you won't do it, somebody else will. Yep. And I'm pretty sure ten teams. Regardless, 10 teams, regardless of the situation, regardless of how happy they are with a veteran quarterback, they're going to be walking right into Joe Burrow's agent's office. Like, all right, how much does he want? It's going to be that SpongeBob meme where he has to wallet out. Take my money. Yeah. The fry meme. Take my money. No, yeah. No, you, I mean, you're 100% right, and I get it. Cleveland is a panic deal. Let's be real. Yeah. You're worried about what Baker is going to be. You're now like, man, we just lost our two starting receivers who we thought we were going to be at a contend for a Super Bowl with. Um, we don't want to waste the rest of Miles Garrett Prime. So you go get Watson, and then you build everything around him. Mm-hmm. And for all intents and purposes, like you said, because we know for at this point he's not going to jail. Yeah, we also don't know how long Nick Chubb is going to be able to sustain any of this. Exactly. So that's why, like I said, if I didn't think, or rather, let's be real, if I didn't know he was going to be suspended by the time – the season starts, I would have picked the Browns to come out the AFC. Because I think they're that ready made the win. Like you said, this is a team that's a year removed from a playoff win. Yeah. And that was without Odell at that point. Mm-hmm. So now you got Amari Cooper, who for everything you want to say about him, stays on the field and stays healthy. One of the best route runners in the game. One of the best route runners in the game. And now a guy who can get him the ball at any point. This is the best receiver he's going to have played with besides D-Hop. Mm-hmm. We still got Higgins, who is already developing and had a chemistry with Mayfield, so I know yeah. he's going to be able to get a chemistry with Donovan Peoples-Jones is a really good deep threat. Exactly, and Joku on the franchise tag. And shoot, now Joku might be looking at it like, I'll take a little less money to stay with Deshaun Watson. I'm cool with that. Yeah. And like I said, that doesn't mean in the draft, and now you're in the draft, but this is the thing. You gave up all those pieces, though, those, those picks. So now you can't really improve as much in the draft. And now that you gave up $230 million guaranteed, I don't know if they backloaded it so they could have a little money left in free agency for this. He's only going to be making $1 million. Um, this year? This, yeah, this coming year. Okay. And that's because if he does get suspended, that's just to offset the fines. Yep. Which, that's smart. Yeah. <laughs> and then next year. So, this is a, it's a smart forward-thinking move to where, like, all right, if he plays this year or if he plays half the year, we get a chance to get, get him warmed up and, you know what I mean, like, boom, we go from there. Or if you, or if like you know, and then you're ready to compete next year mm-hmm. with your draft picks back. Like honestly, the best case scenario for them to be would be, and it sounds weird, is to go like five and twelve with Jacoby Brissett, get a top ten pick, get you either like a lineman or maybe another receiver to go with Amari Cooper. They don't have their first round picks. They gave away three straight first round picks. Yeah. So like I said, they have to win. See, that's why we could have done the deal and been like, we'll just punt on this one year's worth of draft, and we'll be back. Nah, but I also think Holly was sm- would be smart enough to kind of like, you know. Maybe do two this year and one Yeah, probably year. break. Yeah, to like spread out those picks. So at least 
if we do the Watson deal, we still have enough to like get ourselves a defensive playmaker or two. Exactly. Where you a random question? Where you think of my Gardner's going? Sauce Gardner, uh, probably top ten. I would love that kid. I like the length. I like the attitude. I, I would love. I know we never get stud corners. Obviously, Darius Slay is the exception to that. But can we give Howie credit for that trade now? Oh, uh, for the Darius Slay trade? Yeah. Yeah. Like, can we actually give him his? Yeah, third and the fifth. Like, I'll take that ten times out of ten. Because who are we? Because we got him the same year that the Rams got Jalen for what two pick? Two yeah, first rounds. Two first rounds. Yeah. So, I mean, I'll take that. Yeah. The Rams really still don't have another. Wait, do the Rams have a first round pick this year? Uh, no, they don't. <laughs> and they don't care. Ooh, Detroit has more than one first round pick. Yeah, they? they have the yeah. So they have the thirty second pick and the second pick. Yeah, that's hilarious. <laughs> That's actually hilarious. Oh man! So that could be that could be Malik Willis, number two, and you know. You think they go to quarterback at two? Not in this draft, dude. Not in this draft. I'm sorry. You can't just you can't you can't sit here and tell me there's a way to justify going to quarterback two in this draft, Chris. Even if you're desperate, just because there's no guy. Now, mind you, they, we always say there are. There's always those years where it's like there's nobody in this draft. And then there's a guy who emerges. Bro, trust me when I say this. I don't have a lot of sources, and I am not an Ian Rappaport. I am not an Adam Scheffner, but I was down at the Senior Bowl. I've listened to the conversations. I've seen everything about when it comes to Malik Willis. That hype is real. If they don't take him at second, then, let's see, then I don't see him making it past uh, Washington at 11. When's Atlanta pick six? They pick eighth. Shoot, that's a destination also. Because if you draft Willis. See, see, eight isn't. I know I sound weird saying six spots should isn't a reach. And it's like, well, what's the difference between eight and two? But the difference between eight and two is like getting Calvin Johnson and getting freaking. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Uh. Like, I'm just trying to think of a guy who was, like, the eighth or ninth pick. Getting Broderick Bunkley. Like, I know he wasn't the eighth pick, but I'm just saying. Getting Derrick Brown versus getting Calvin Johnson. I'm just being real. It is. It's the difference. Okay. But the purpose of drafting Willis is not for this year. Because if you roll him out this year, you're not going to get the results that you want. You're, you're sitting here for next year. Okay. Well, if that, but see, here's my thing, right? And I know this sounds weird because of the golf thing. Because, like, clearly, you know, depending on how you feel about golf, he's probably not the guy. But I would argue that he showed enough last year that he at least deserves a chance to try and continue to win this job, okay. right? Yeah, that's true. So if you have the second pick and Willis isn't the best overall player at that pick, that's a reach. And that's a possible potential waste on a position that I'm not going to say it's already subtle, but isn't as bad or, or bad off as people are making. Okay, but you got to look at it from a landscape perspective. They're number one, they're in the NFC. Who in the NFC is going to be, you know, who's going to be battling for the NFC the next five years? Uh, it's a giant question mark. Yeah. So. Dang, there's no young stud quarterbacks in the NFC. No, but you got. They're, they're all in the AFC. Yeah. I mean, you got Fields, but, you know, I'm not sure about, you know, the way that Chicago's going to be building around him because they don't have a first-round pick this year. They do got a second, though. Who's their coach? Uh, Eberflees, who was the defensive coordinator for the Colts. Okay. Yeah. So, but if you draft Willis, you sit him for a year, and then at that point, if you want to unload on golf, it's not going to be, you know, a, a bigger cap hit. 
And reportedly, the salary cap is supposed to be going up $50 million over these next two years. So you sit in Willis for a year. Then by 2023, you got him DJ Shark. You got him Amon Ross Brown and whatever other weapons you could possibly get for him in this draft at 28 and your other set early second and third round picks. You got T.J. Hawkinson. You already got a stud in Deontay Swift. And you had a really good offensive line, which really no one really talks about. You got Panay School, Frank Glasgow. So if you want to do Willis to Detroit, I can optic-wise, in terms of landscape-wise, it makes sense because that's a move that you're planning for the next three to five years. We're going to build around Willis. Exactly. Now, I, I do understand what you're saying. It's just like I'm always weary in drafts where, like, oh, there's a bunch of guys who could go in the, the 2017 draft, right? Mm-hmm. Um, obviously Watson was billed as a first round guy, so was Mahomes, yeah. you know. But they weren't they you know, a lot of people were kinda like, I don't know and you know, and then And I'll Chicago, still say to this day they're idiots. Exactly. And then Chicago was like, Ooh, Mitchell Trubisky because no one was sure about whoever these guys oh, at the top it was all it was who was the fourth quarterback in that discussion that year? Deshaun Kaiser? Was it Kaiser? Yeah. Because it was Kaiser yeah, those were the four. It was Kaiser Watson um, um, Mahomes and Trubisky. Yeah. And Chicago was like, I'm smarter than the average bear. Let me take Mitch Trubisky. I'm just saying that if Detroit winds up Malik Willis being their Mitchell Trubisky, they're screwed. Whereas you could have got a stud in Kyle Hamilton and then worry about quarterback later. If you suck again this year, guess what? You're back in the top five with better quarterbacks. But if you're a playoff team, you have a franchise guy who's only like 27. And I get it. If you like golf's not a franchise guy, how do you know? How do you really know? This is a dude that took a team to the Super Bowl, and let's not forget, yes, they scored the least amount of points in the Super Bowl history, blah, 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 blah. They lost to Bill Belichick in the Super Bowl. It's I'll so- take a guy who can be real, and I want you to be real with yourself. And you can say, Coach, and you can, do you think Jalen Hurts can take us to the Super Bowl right now? No. So, in theory, what I'm about to ask you sounds ridiculous, it's, but you know what I'm asking. But is Jalen record- Hurts better than Jared Goff? It's a wash. You see my point? <laughs> so, like, what does Detroit really have to lose if you rock out with him and get Kyle Hamilton, who's pretty much can't miss Minka Fitzpatrick-level stud? And then you go back to the draw. If you stink next year, you go back to the drawing board. Oh, oh, simple, because it's a lot harder to hit on a quarterback than it is to hit on a safety. Like, or any other, you know, top defensive stud. But that's my that's my point, though, because for every Miles Garrett, for every Kyle Hamilton, you get a Jadavian Clowney, you get a Mario Williams, who's good but not great. You know what I'm saying? Like, so, like... I don't know. I'm all about, as a GM, I know this would probably peeve people off if I was the GM of a team. I'm all about safe and smart versus like, oh, we got to take the risk to get the biscuit, Bruce Arians. Like, you can do that as a coach when calling plays. I don't think you can necessarily do that as a GM and be super successful. Yeah, but also, if you're a GM, the one thing that you want to do, want to hang your hat on in terms of optics-wise, you want to hang your hat on a quarterback. Like, here's the thing. Sean McVay, wise, Sean McVay realized, like, I'm not going to lose my job because of Jared Goff. <laughs> he literally kept it real. He's like, I'm not losing my job because of you, bro. So what makes you think Dan Gamble's going to wait around for Jared Goff? What makes you think that Jared Goff was, I'm not going to say was balling last year, but he had a couple game-winning drives. The guys played for him. He made the throws he needed to make. I'm just saying you get him another receiver. You know what the funny thing is? All, everything you said was the same thing. You know, people can say you can say the same thing about Jalen Hurts. Are you going to hang your hat on Jalen Hurts being the guy for you going forward? I think the Eagles are in a very different situation than the Lions are, though. I think no one expects the Lions to be good 
now we're in a situation where we won nine games last year. Jalen Hurts has all this hype coming in around. There's expectations. There's still no. We're the only people picking Detroit to do anything. Let's not let's not get it messed up. We can watch all the pundits for the next six months. I guarantee you, we will have been the only people to mention. Yo, I think Detroit could win the NFC North. And then we start the season. It's like, yo, is Detroit good? And it's like, were we right? I just think the same thing you see with Detroit's culture being built. I see it. You know, they made fun of him to bite your kneecaps thing, but when they lost that game and they went 0-7, they lost that game like a last second field. He was crying in that press conference. Like, legitimate, you could tell how much Dan Campbell cared. And you could tell that them dudes respect that on that team. Amon Ross St. Brown is a baller. DeAndre Swift's going to be healthy this year. You can add more to that line. Suell was really great and came on great down the stretch last year. You get a couple more receivers on that team, dude. They got a shot. Okay. All I'm just saying is, is that We've seen the tape of Malik Willis. We've oh, seen, we've seen m- the tape. Yeah. <laughs> we've seen the tape. It's, yeah, it's, well, it's, it's, his arm is ridiculous. Yeah, it's a, he's a right hand. At, at his peak, he's a right handed Michael Vick. Yeah. Not wrong. I'm just saying, like, if I'm going to make my bet and lie in it with number two overall pick, as much as I like Kyle Hamilton, if they do go Malik Willis, don't be surprised. That's all I'm saying. Because. You have the ability because you have Jared Goff going Malik Willis makes sense because you're not because we're, that's the excuse for you to sit him for a year because you have a decent you have a decent start. It'd be completely different if he goes to a situation like Pittsburgh and you roll out Mitchell Trubisky and people's gonna be like, yeah, we're yeah, when's Malik Willis playing? Like, no, bro, we're gonna go to Trubisky for a year. He's not gonna survive. Is it weird that I think Trubisky's gonna play well in Pittsburgh? I have this weird theory about if I've ever seen a guy play well before, I feel like he can play well again. I know people can say, oh, what does that even mean? Week to week, somebody can be good or bad. I've seen what a good – Mitchell Trubisky led a game-winning drive in a playoff game. That just wasn't a game-winning drive, and we know exactly why. Good luck, Cody Parkey. But let's be real. Let's never forget, Mitchell Trubisky has a game-winning drive in a playoff game. Not many people can say that is all I'm saying, dude. But yeah, like I said, if they Willis it too, it makes sense. That's fair. I'll give you that. If they go Kyle Hamilton, I completely understand. Like, if they go either way, I understand like the philosophy in terms of why they're both. Yeah. yeah. So like Hamilton makes sense. Dan Campbell guy, you're gonna need a guy that's gonna be the leader of your defense for the next decade because Detroit doesn't have one right now at all. Yeah. If you go Malik Willis, you're going on the you're going for the reason why it's like we could sit him for a year because we had because we have a lot. Of money that we, you know, traded for Matthew Stafford and got all these picks. Okay, we got Jared Goff. We'll let him sit for. We'll let Willis sit for a year, and then year two, we has full grasp of the playbook. We get him in our system, and we he can go out, you know, ball with Swift, Hawkinson, uh, Shark, and Robin Ross St. Brown. That's true. And then that that propels them to go forward in terms of potentially, you know, leading the charge for the NFC going forward. Okay, so I'll propose something real quick before we get off the air. What if you go Hamilton and then you go, like, Pickett or Ritter at 32? Would you hate that? I wouldn't hate that at all. I actually like Ritter a lot more than what people want to do. I like Ritter, too. Yeah. I think at his his best, you're probably looking at Ryan Tannehill, Marcus Mariota. That's what I was thinking, like a Marcus Marcus Tannehill. Marcus Tannehill is what you're looking at. Or Ryan Mariota. 
goodness. Yeah, we are in sick today. <laughs> yeah, the chemistry is 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 working today. Yeah. That was a great fast break. Yeah. All right. Uh, yeah, but. Yeah, that's that's it for our show. And uh, also, I'm on. Also, I will download. I'm on the Carson Strong bandwagon. Also, who? Carson Strong. Who? Nevada. Hurt. <laughs> I'm just saying. Go watch. Go watch him this past year. Only ever heard of one Nevada quarterback ever. Who? You disrespectful. Who? Colin Kaepernick. <laughs> hey, the NFL for going to forget about him. Then, then what do you expect me to do? As a black man, remember that man. Okay. And I his will. sacrifice he made. Absolutely. Once <laughs> 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 again, you got Chris Thomas. I'm Jamal Thomas. Let's make sure to run a sports for the culture every Tuesday from 4 to 6. Uh, until next time, we'll see you next week. All right.